Hello everyone, welcome to the SmackDown 6 Podcast. We are on the road to WrestleMania 19. I know we're 18 years too late for that, but that's okay. This is the podcast where we talk about the SmackDown 6 era of SmackDown, the time where the in-ring performances were the most important they've been in the history of the company. If you disagree with me, let's talk about it. Come on the podcast, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me my podcast should be about a different time. I don't know. Go for it. Anyway, it's a great time. It's 2002 to 2004. It's a time where uh, I was I was deep in the throes of it. I spent all my time breathing wrestling, looking up spoilers, thinking about things, planning uh, my, my whole time around, my, my days around when I could watch things, when shows were on. And I did that in large part with, with members of my very own family. And today on the podcast is one of my co-hosts. We have a family member of mine, uh, my eldest brother, Will Vaughn. How you doing, Will? Matt, I'm very excited to be here back on the SmackDown 6 podcast talking about the wrestling that we watched from 2002 to 2004. Excellent. There <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was not a prepared statement, uh, although it may have sounded like it. Matt, I'm very happy to be here for SmackDown 6 uh, in parenthesis C. Uh, it's going to be a good one. Uh, it's a good week of wrestling here on this on SmackDown, Matt. We're on the road to WrestleMania. Indeed, no stop signs, speed limits. Okay, we're on yes. the highway. To Seattle, going down the I-5 if you're uh, driving south from Vancouver. There we go. I, and you know what? I, you, for a second, when you said you, you had your prepared statement, I thought the SmackDown uh, press secretary might come back. We had you talking oh, to the press boy. secretary probably. It worked so well last seven time. weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the entire the entire design of that was to so that I could say something while you interrupting, and then you interrupted <laughs> with all of your points like last time. Uh, but you yeah, know what? Well, the, the press was aggressive that day. Before we get to the March 6, 2003 episode of SmackDown, which everyone is dying to hear about, which is actually a really fun show to talk about. There's a bunch of weird little details in it. A lot of stuff. Yes, a lot to break of it, stuff. Break it open here. So I just want to ask you a yeah, question. This too. is a question I asked uh, Daniel recently. He covered the No Way Out show with, with me. How do you feel about No Way Out as a pay-per-view? I'm not too hot on it. I kind of wish – I understand, you know, I realize there's, a, there's monetary reasons for doing this. People want to make money, and I 100% get it. But I think it would be a better experience for people – if you had Royal Rumble and then a bunch of weeks of good shows building up to WrestleMania and then just WrestleMania, the stop in the middle of the pay-per-view, I don't really care for it. Tell me I'm right. Tell yeah, and sometimes – well, sometimes they have two stops. Uh, sometimes they have a Ugh, either yeah. a Ugh. super showdown or a, a crown jewel or something. Uh, I have those names probably mixed up in my head. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess it was – how can we figure it was originally designed to have a cage? Wasn't St. Valentine's Day massacre in February one year? And it, it was, was. A cage match. Well, they had they uh, had in your Austin house a couple and... times in there. They you know they had yeah. they had the yeah, diesel yeah. the diesel Bret Hart cage match before um, WrestleMania twelve, if I'm oh. not mistaken. Uh, oh my, okay, would have been there as well in that February spot. I mean, they, yeah. they did it because uh, and they took, WCW did did monthly pay per views, right? They they didn't really do they weren't doing these ones all the time, and then WCW was doing them. And WCW, as far as I can recall, they weren't even charging less for their monthly pay-per-views. They were saying, yeah, if you're going to pay for Starcade and you want to pay for Super Brawl, it's going to be the same amount of money. And so WWE, yeah. you know, they, they had to experiment with it for a while, but then it ended up being incredibly worth it for them. Yeah, because In Your House was like a discount pay-per-view, right? That was kind of the gimmick. I think it was yeah. like 20 or 25 bucks American to order In Your House. And yeah. uh, it was a little shorter, maybe a little lighter on the card. Um, and then No Way Out in years recent has become Elimination Chamber yeah. uh, in, in, as the February pay-per-view. Um, you know, they're, they're going to – I can't see any – consecutive month well the where they won't have a pay-per-view I, I just don't see them not doing it. oh yeah i don't they expect love it. these things i get it i get it i think and you know yeah. what 
if, if if you do a good job with them, it's fine. I mean, it's like so many things in wrestling, right? Where like you can have a you can have a match read to go for an hour, and if it's good, it's good, and you're fine. You get away with it, right? Like if, quality will always uh, make it okay to have a lot of quantity, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I and you know what? I, I, I'm talking about it like I don't really like No Way Out. Things happen on the No Way Out shows. I mean, I also have to just say, you know, Final Four in uh, 1997 uh, has a, a, an incredible main event that would be. Mm-hmm. A loss we didn't have it, but I also like it because that pay per view is very much, uh, it's cleaning up the mess that Royal Rumble '97 left off for you. So I like it because storyline right. wise, it made a lot of sense. Where it's like, you know, if you were if you were if you were looking in a very kayfabe way at the commissioner or the president of WWF at the time, you'd be like, we gotta we gotta get this stuff figured out before WrestleMania, bro, because there's a there's a lot of going on here. Steve Austin ruined this. We whole got a thing. big show, yeah. We got a big show happening. Obviously, our officials weren't up to snuff uh, on that right. one, so we gotta get this figured out. Our shareholders that we don't have yet, but we will have right. them in a couple of years, are at our throats. Uh, so we really need to, uh, yeah, get this locked down. Yeah, that's right. And then they locked it down hardcore with uh, Elimination Chamber years later. So there we go. It really got locked down. Not, they, they have a, a birdcage with four locked pods. It's as locked yes. as you can be. Yes. Which it was weird for me having not watched wrestling for, you know, a decade and a half. And then seeing, you know, obviously the Elimination Chamber, we, we talked about it at Survivor Series 2002. Uh, and we'll see it again at SummerSlam. Spoilers for SummerSlam 2003. Yes. But to come and for see. For a Raw match. For a Raw match, yeah. But to see. Uh, another Raw match. Uh, the Elimination Chamber, you know, recently where they've changed it and they put padding on the inside and everything like that. It's a weird experience. They've even squared it off in a lot of ways. So it's a much more conventional They, they made it easier. Yeah, they made it easier, I think, to see into. Yeah. I think which, that was a, that that was is a very concern important. was the sight lines. Yes. And they've done that with actual cage matches, too, where now they have the three panels instead of the two. With three panels where if they're in the middle of the ring, you have a clean panel instead of the uh, thing connecting the two of them. Anyway, I appreciate it. They, yeah, they've done some stuff. A weird, good. Yeah, and there's a weird cage tonight, Matt. Yes. This episode of SmackDown. Very excited I'm to talk about the weird cage. I'm, I just love, you know, I noticed it, and I'm like, I, I know Matt's going to notice this too. Because it's something <laughs> Matt would notice, because uh, it's something I would notice. So I appreciate yes. our uh, attention to detail that you can only get Matthew right here on the SmackDown 6 podcast. That's right. And actually, Will, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm just going to press a button here real quick. Ding, 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 uh-huh. ding, 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 ding. You may notice that oh, the uh, the lights yeah. are strobing here. Ding, 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 strobing. Ding, ding, ding. Over your head, Will, Strobing's you see happening. descending from wherever you're recording from. Ding, 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 ding. There is a stainless steel cage coming down. Here it is. You're looking up. Stainless you're... steel cage. <laughs> He's rubbing his face on the on the on the chain link of that stainless steel cage. He will not leave a mark. It will clean right off, but it will not clean off the blood, sweat, and tears he spent here tonight. Um, you know, it's I, a cast iron cage. Uh, you, you, you can't you can't you can't use soap on the cast iron cage. You have to just use a little bit of oil and you rub it a little bit. That's all you do. The cast iron cage. It's a different thing. Uh. One thing I want to uh, shout out to is WWE's uh, riggers for hanging these cages and also hanging the Elimination Chamber above rings. I just realized that. They talk about how heavy the Elimination Chamber is, and they just hang that sucker up like it's, uh, you know, the, the claw game at, a, at an arcade, like you're picking up a stuffy. It's it's crazy that, that people have that kind of trust to, um, you know, put uh, civilians and your announce team and your competitors underneath this thing, they have all the trust in the world at how they're going to lower and raise this elimination chamber uh, and cell and cage, like all these structures and the Punjabi prison. What else do we have? Well, we had that steel cage one time with the barbed wire on it. And then we had the, um, 
wasn't there a cage with a bunch of weapons stuck to it? It might yes. be the same one. I'm not. Let sure. me tell you about it. Actually, well, because I just watched that with with my buddy yeah, Brian, Thomas, brother. NXT okay. Takeover Toronto 2019. It was the third fall yes. of the Adam Cole Johnny Gargano match, and uh, I like that one was cool because they actually did a little bit. They tried to hide the cage a little bit. They had a little bit of. Oh. Uh, they had they kind of surrounded it, and it came down afterwards because they didn't want people to just walk in and look up and go, "Hey, look, there's a cage with a bunch of weapons on it." Oh, so that was a, a fun. Oh thing yeah, look at that. <laughs> Just, that's what they would have said in Toronto. I know those people. They would well, have said like, that. I'm, now I'm just imagining the dumbest men you've ever seen holding a bunch of Tim Hortons cups. <laughs> and they're just talking about going to Canadian Tire after. <laughs> hey, Bob, let's go to the ride-on when we go home eh? and uh, have some Tims and a Molson. And then uh, maybe watch the Jays game. We're playing against the Orioles. Orioles. Uh, shout out to our country. Yes. Good job, Canada. You are uh, stereotypable. So, Will, the show we are covering tonight is the March 6, 2003 episode of SmackDown. It emanated from the Harbor Yard Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. You can park your car at the Harbor Yard Arena. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Or, or you know, on a street nearby if you can get uh, pay parking. That would be the hope. I don't know how busy Bridge- Bridgeport is, but, uh, you know, it's in the kind of the, the New York metro area, kind of. Uh, so it's, it's the Long Island Sound, I think Michael yeah. Cole said it was. I'm not so familiar with my geography over there, yes. but I believe him. Well, the Bridgeport Tigers, uh, you know, they, I think the AHL team, they were, they were there. They uh, might have the even HL. changed the name to the yeah. uh, Long Island Sound Tigers or something like that. Something happened with Connecticut. Right. If you're from Connecticut, listen to this podcast, let me know. Uh, but yeah, yeah we, we, give us a shout out. Yes. So uh, we're also covering the TV ratings here. We're wondering, did SmackDown ever beat Raw? You know, Raw was the A show. This was a time they tried to make... SmackDown into a you know a B show or an A two show or all these other things and uh, dis- or a B two show a B two yes exactly Although not anymore sadly shout out to yeah. B two uh, yeah unfortunately no it got a three point three rating it did not beat Raw that week and it won't until June I'm still gonna mention it because it's part of the uh, the story of the podcast we go from there um, I think so. just you mentioned B two I also thought about uh, a Red Dog recently who debuted and then disappeared mm-hmm. completely from sight. And uh, yeah. at some point on this podcast, I'm going to read off a list of mysteries that have happened during the run of this podcast, and we're going to talk about why. I would love to hear this. Yes. There's all sorts of things. I would love to hear these like, mysteries. Things that came up or dropped, uh, people who talked weird or did weird things. Anyway, so we're going to talk about- Do we still yeah. know who Big Show got traded for? That is maybe the number one mystery, <laughs> is that Big Show, they, didn't, they said he was traded. At one point, Michael Cole recently said he jumped to SmackDown. I was like, false. I was oh, told. Oh, no. I was told no. he uh, was traded. <laughs> also, you couldn't ju- I mean, it's just one of those things where you, you're not supposed to jump. But also, it's not believable to think the Big Show jumped, because he's not- That's right. I could, he could fall to SmackDown in some regard, but uh, yeah, they should have at least- had some bum go the other way. Which is basically what he did. He fell off of Raw, jobbed yes. out on Raw, and then ended up on SmackDown, and now is involved in the, uh, this exciting mid-card feud. Yes, he won a WWE title. Uh, upper mid I'll have you know, that's that's maybe the the upperest of mid-card, if Undertaker is comfortably there. He's... It's true. If these 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 are these are large gentlemen all involved in this, uh, so if they all stood on each other's shoulders, they would uh, certainly um, be upper, upper mid-card, for yeah. sure. If they, stood on each other's shoulders, if they stood on each other's shoulders, they would definitely kill the bottom guy. Uh, so, Will, let's talk yeah. about last week's episode first. Did you happen to catch last week's episode of the, of the uh, SmackDown show? Almost definitely. Excellent. Yeah, I did. I saw Brock Lesnar saying uh, he's going to face you, pointing to two guys <laughs> on the ramp, and one assumes something, one assumes something else. That was great. Anyway, Matt, go ahead and run down the show, and I'll say I'll, I will 
save my questions for the end. Love I it. Promise. Well, last week's episode, they spent uh, half the night promoting that they would show the last five minutes of No Way Out, which they did. I don't. I still don't know how they did because usually you can't do that with a pay per view. It said it was courtesy of some company. I'm sure they paid money to show them the end of their pay per view. Uh, we also had Rhino re-debuting after being gone since fall 2001. He was partnered with Chris Benoit. Uh, Brian Kendrick came just short of lasting five minutes with Kurt Angle and finding his way on the SmackDown roster in a very entertaining little storybook match there. And Brock Lesnar defeated Team Angle in a handicap match, allowing him to set up a steel cage match this week with a member of his choosing. And he said, you. And, and Kurt Angle thinks it's him. But then he says, Paul Heyman. And we get this classic shot, which they used to great effect on this episode of Paul Heyman turning around. This kind of who me, kind of horrified look on his face. Just the most like, what kind of face. Like it was pretty, pretty fantastic. Well, did you, when Will, when they, uh, when Brock was on the mic, like you knew that, did you remember that he was going to face Paul Heyman or that he was going to call on Paul Heyman and do that? Like, was that obvious to you? Yeah, because I don't remember him having a, a, a cage match with Kurt Angle on SmackDown. I right. remember the match that they're going to have next week. Yes. But I don't – oh, sorry, spoiler alert for the end of this show. Um, but I, do, I I remember – I guess I remember him having this cage match with Paul. I, I know he gets his hands on Paul at some point, which I think earlier in the podcast I'm like, I don't think he gets his hand on Paul again. Well, he does. I, I just – I have a bad memory, I think, for 2003. So well, this is all fun to me again. It's also kind of, I mean, and we'll talk about it a little bit more later on, obviously, but it's kind of a blow-off to a months-long angle with Paul Heyman in a way. Like, Brock Lesnar gets his blow-off with Paul Heyman, finally. That's how they present this, too, with constant flashbacks. Like, look at their relationship, look at what they've been through, and now tonight it all comes to a head. Yeah, Uh, It even makes the tail of the tape, Matt. I mean, come on. Oh, I'm so excited to talk about that specifically. And you know what? Like, it just, it kind of happened on a random SmackDown, so... I'm not really surprised you don't remember it. I think there's there's some oddly unmemorable stuff from this time period, especially because when you, when you want to talk about like, hey, let's talk about something that Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle did in early 2003. It's like, well, we want to talk about the time that he broke, like Kurt Angle's neck got broken, or the time they wrestled with a broken neck, or the time that Brock Lesnar tried to break his own neck with a shooting star press. There's just so much to get into Good there. God, so. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely, there is. Can I ask a question? Where was the show last week? Where was the show last week? Okay, they never say on the show. They say they're in Canada. Uh, but they London, never Ontario. say they were at Labatt Center. London, okay, Labatt Ontario, Center. Yes. Yeah, that's that's what I thought. I was like, they're not in Ottawa, they're not in Toronto, uh, and they're not in Quebec City. Uh, so I figured they were in London. Okay, uh, yes. that uh, that makes sense. They did. They did. Uh, Raw was in Toronto, uh, and I think there's a whole thing there with Rock making fun of Toronto that people really enjoyed. So, that's oh, is that what he called them, Mother Canuckers? Maybe. I think yeah, that I might think have it been. Was, yeah, he does make fun yeah. of them. He's, he talks. He does the, the kind of the cheap pop, and then he makes fun of them for like being. Like, oh look, he said our name or place. We're in Toronto. He said our name. Yes. Yeah. Love that rock. That's his time. Love that rock, and we'll never see him on this show again. So. R.I.P. Rock. <laughs> uh, until WrestleMania. Meanwhile, on Velocity, we're at episode forty-two of Velocity. Now, this is the uh, show they would have taped. They, they did tape. Fact, they taped before SmackDown. Now, will you're going to ask something here? Well, they taped something else before SmackDown. I guess oh, they didn't have any oh. dark matches because we actually see a dark match. We no, they did have uh, dark matches show. too. I, I oh, they had dark matches too. Do we know these guys' names that Nathan Jones tosses around? Okay, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. okay, let's get we'll get there. We okay. get there. one of the weirder segments. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I'm like that. There's this that segment. I'm watching it. I'm like, this is I've never seen anything like this before on SmackDown. This is so strange. It is very strange on a yeah. wrestling show. But there were true dark matches here, and I mean the folks. 
uh, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. They got to see Sean O'Hare defeat Dave Delicious. Dave Delicious. Oh, was his gear, did his gear look like like an, a red apple? Like I think, that's I, that name is awesome. It is an absolutely great name. <laughs> and sadly, he's one of these guys <laughs> that on my database website I use no link. So Dave Delicious is uh, you know we're gonna have to do some sleuthing online to find out whatever happened to Dave Delicious. Now this I ne- sure it wasn't Slick Delicious, by the way. Are you oh, sure it's Dave Delicious, not Slick Delicious? <laughs> Slick Delicious. <laughs> Stack Money uh, was also there. Uh, back Stack Money fantastic. was there. Uh, which is just making uh, – <laughs> I don't even know if – would that count as independent wrestling jokes or is that just evolved backyard it's wrestling? It's independent wrestling. They're, yeah. they, it was independent as it got, baby. Oh, okay. Why, it was wildly independent. dependent on anything. They're independent contractors to be confirmed. Yes. This next match had a couple people we know uh, where uh, Chris Canyon defeated Aaron Stevens. Do you know who Aaron say, Stevens is, well? I know who Chris Cannon is. He got beat up on SmackDown a couple weeks ago. Yep. Uh, Aaron Stevens. Um, I, okay, who's Aaron Stevens? He's very young here, uh, but he would later go on to be known as Damian Sandow. So he's like 20 here. Oh, like okay. That. Yeah, that name did sound familiar. Went on to become a future Money in the Bank winner and loser, Damian Sandow, wherein he uh, got the Money in the Bank briefcase. He customized it by making it like a, a leather... A leather briefcase, basically, with the Money in the Bank logo kind of protruding from it. One of the nicest briefcases uh, out there, for sure. Oh, there we go. Uh, now, also, weird thing is that sometimes, like, for these shows that they ha- on television, they say how long the uh, the matches were. For some reason, and I can't imagine this was actually true, they said this match was 17 minutes long, which would be the longest <laughs> match of this. I just don't believe that's the case. What? And I don't know why. It had to be seven. That. It had to be seven. That one had to be a typo. Yeah, it's a 17-minute match, apparently. Ridiculous. And then on to Velocity here. So uh, we start with Nunzio hitting the Rivaderci on Funaki. After Funaki oh. chased Johnny the Bull around the outside of the ring. You know, he's got the full-blooded Italians <sighs> are here. They're raising problems. So people are... The guys from the neighborhood, uh, I mean, they, they show up in force. They show up in numbers. What's Funaki supposed to do? He's by himself. He's, he's uh, furious. I know. It's, it's just really too sad to think about it here. And then, okay... This next match was curious here. Nydia faced Don Marie. And so what happened was Nydia got uh, cross-bodied by Don Marie. And then she rolled through and she got the one, two, three. But I got to explain a, a crazy moment that happened here. And I, I don't know what they're doing here. Because this is interesting. Where they gave the girls some time on the show. Sorry, I said girls. I'm afraid that sounds condescending or misogynist or sexist. I respect these women. They actually put on a match that is like a little bit more impressive than they usually even have the opportunity to. Which is good. Actually, a good use yep. of their ta- like talents. Like, let's put these girls on velocity. Let's see if they can do something. Because a Don Marie came to play, so she goes for a Vader bomb on Nidia, and so Jamie Noble pulls Nidia out of the ring. So Don Marie's like, whatever. She goes to the top rope and she hits a diving cross body on Nidia and Jamie Noble who are on the floor. Don Marie putting in work. Yeah, she's doing straight up like an NXT spot here in 2003 yeah. on Velocity. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Wow. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Also, it is crazy to watch women wrestling here and see how stiff they are compared to women who are like actually trained really well now. And it's like it's it's, it's wild. It's really really crazy to think about how it's changed. Yeah. I'm going to say that every other week on the show because um, there's not this this show in particular. There's not a lot of shining moments for women on it. There's some other moments that are pretty pretty sad. Um, there's some stuff coming up. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's some stuff coming up. Yeah. Um, That's all I'll say. <laughs> Bill Demott power bombs and awkwardly pinned John Xavier. Also known as Xavier, oh. who is the current Ring of Honor World Champion at the time. So he, uh, I don't know, technically I guess Bill DeMott's a Ring of Honor World Champion. So 
feel bad for them. Well, not if it's not if it's not if it's a title match. Unless the ring of, is match. the Ring of Honor title like is it always on the line? Is that kind of a gimmick? It sounds no. like something they would have, right? It's like if you're yeah, champion, absolutely. You're always every match you have is a title match. He's like, we don't do that non-title BS in Ring of Honor. We do it the yeah. real way. Which honestly, after there's a match tonight where I made me question the whole non-title thing. <laughs> so I was like, why would this be non-title? Uh, right. Anyway, tag match later on. And then finally, a match where I was like not understanding character motivation uh, until halfway through the show, where I was like, hmm, Billy Kidman, who's wrestling really angrily, he pinned Shannon Moore after shooting Star Press. So he's just mad the whole match and just angry. And I was like, why is Kidman so angry? And then I saw SmackDown. Ah. Because you watch it. Do you always watch Velocity first and then SmackDown, Matt? I do. I watch it. In the you watch it. You want the pure it. experience. That's yeah. right. Darn it. Okay, that's pretty funny then. That, that um, I mean, it's not that funny. It's just like, hey, Billy, you're going to be mad. So go out mad. Okay. You can follow direction. Uh, but that is funny. That it's, you have no. And the people of Bridgeport, the fine people of Bridgeport, Connecticut, would also have no idea why uh, Kidman was so upset in that particular juncture. They're like, yeah. wow, it's a brand new Kidman. Wicked. Yeah, you're like, he, who pissed in his cornflakes? Just a real like, real question mark of what's his deal. Uh, That's not one of his math facts, but maybe he's into that kind of thing. <laughs> oh, no. Man enjoys pissing in cornflakes. The math facts tonight are also just... They're, they're, <laughs> just to be clear, there are moments of the show that are unacceptably horny. And I'm I'm grading on, a, on the curve of 2003, <laughs> but there is yeah. just... Absolutely. There's an energy backstage yeah. well, I'm they, uncomfortable with. Well, there's a reason. Do they ever bring it up on commentary during that match? Like the reason Matt had those Matt facts in because Billy is connected to the the uh, Tory happenings in right. a subtle way that that you, you you have to be really looking for to find. But you see right. it; it's visually represented in this episode. Okay, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, there's a few things that Will has noticed that I did not notice, and I'm excited for him to to, to have some insightful commentary. I watched this episode like a hawk, <laughs> a damn hell ass hawk, Matt. I'm telling you, I watched it. I seen it. So let's talk about this episode that we'll watch like a hawk. And we start with the beautiful people entrance video, which uh, was changed shortly after No Way Out last week. And I believe it's the last iteration uh, of it. Nathan Jones in it. Mm -hmm. Is it the last one? Because Rock's in it a bunch. So they're going to have to get Rock in it a bunch. Out of it at some point. If I'm not mistaken. I think he's still the first guy in there. So he's got to, because he'll only, I think he'll only be on Raw from now on. And then he's gone, I think, by the end of April. And then. That cool new song you said doesn't come in until like after SummerSlam, I think. No, it's earlier than that. I think it's actually quite early. Earlier than that, okay. Yeah. The cool new song. By the way, it may not be, folks, it might not be as cool as I remember it, but I think yeah. it's a pretty cool song. It's um, a different, it's definitely a different take. It's it's the more of the hip hop thing, which is 100% a smart direction to go in. And, oh, totally. And and yeah. also, like, let's get let's get Marilyn Manson out of here. Uh, and they add, uh, yeah, Nathan Jones is in that uh, video a bunch mm-hmm. too, which is. Uh, it's interesting. Yes. They had plans. They definitely had plans. But what are they doing? But they had yeah. plans. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're they're like, Nathan Jones is here now. Okay. It's an open question whether or not he can wrestle at all. Uh, we might even talk yeah, about the show. we have this guy. <laughs> okay, we'll get to it. Sorry. So with Steel Cage hangs high above the ring in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, and Brock Lesnar the is- Cage! Yes. He's, he's due to face- Paul Heyman. They show a graphic. Now, usually they have these wonderful motion graphics. They're kind of like GIFs where the guys turn around and they make a face and it freezes on that. And it's one of those things that's actually missing largely from wrestling now. And people are like, I'll do the motion graphics again. Very fun. But this week. They did it for WrestleMania this year, but they they did away with them again real quick. That's right. The WrestleMania one. Yeah, I remember you sent me the one with with, with Drew McIntyre in it. And he does like a bunch of business in it, which is really funny. (laughs) He does his like Claymore countdown and he makes like a face. And like, I think he's taking the piss too. Yeah, a little I, bit. I um, think he must be. <laughs> yeah. 
so yeah, so instead of having motion, it's just a picture. It's a picture of Brock, and they have the picture of Paul Heyman making the exact face he made last week, where he's turned around and he's <laughs> they shocked. Cut like cut him out of the frame. Completely unflattering. And there yeah. he is. So that they, is they, they do it to make him look like a big fat sh- stupid schlub. Yeah, I love it. Looks like an idiot. And so this is going to be the, this is the running thread throughout the night. Is that they want you to know Brock Paul in a cage. It's happening. And we're going to see happening. a lot of different clips about it. We're going to see a lot of uh, promotion for it. So it's interesting here. But we start off here with a very fun match. And it's Jamie Noble against Tajiri against Rey Mysterio. It's a triple threat match for the number one contendership for the Cruiserweight title. Uh, and yeah. We, yeah. So we only see Rey's entrance. And I say this is fun because I would say that largely they kind of avoid, they eschew, they steer clear of many of the triple threat kind of tropes that they have where you beat guys up, one guy leaves in the ring, and two guys just kind of tangle for a while and pair out, all that sort of thing. Like, this is much more, they have planned this out. They have It's three guys doing stuff. It's interesting stuff. It's If a guy is out of the picture, he's out for like a move or two. It's very interesting. So, yeah, this match is wild. There's It, 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 it starts fast, and it gets furious, Matt. It does. Um, In a big, bad way. Will, thank you for making a very relevant reference to something that will be wildly irrelevant by the time this episode comes out. <laughs> It's very good. It was relevant maybe in 2003. Wasn't that the Tokyo Drift year? It might have been, but now, I mean, F9 makes this show way more relevant with uh, the one of the villains being a member of the uh, on the SmackDown. He shows up on this episode of television. He's on this show. And yeah, he looks like an true. idiot. John Cena is going to show up. He's going to look like a dummy. So, as, what he says is awesome. Yes, it's true, kind of. Uh, so, Jamie Noble hits Ray as he gets in the ring. We start things off. And so, Ray hits a diving senton, but it gets broken up. And then Tajiri hits a German suplex. That gets broken up. And then Ray gets a twisting body press for two on Tajiri. Uh, and this is, they take a breath to say, Hulk Hogan's going to be here tonight. So great. Yeah. Hogan's going to be here. Jamie Noble hits Tajiri. Then he grabs Ray, slides him across the mat and onto the floor. One of those moves that you, uh, you only ever see Ray really get, where they, they throw him yeah, stomach first. Yeah, lawn dart. Yeah. Uh, I guess he lawn darts outside. For a while, he would do his frog splash like that. He would kind of like jump off the top rope and launch himself like a missile, like arms pinned to his side, just head up, and just like just <laughs> uh, just totally throw kind of caution into the wind. But that that's a that's always a wild spot for Ray. Yeah, like he he does like that. He likes to either get thrown or do it himself. And then uh, three guys tangle they tangle up in the corner, uh, which leads to Jamie Noble getting to Jiri in electric chair position, and then to Jiri superplexes Ray off the top rope, Tower of Doom style. So this is something yeah, that uh, really well done too. Really well done. I like this better than other versions of it because all three guys are trying to hurt each other. Because sometimes you see it and you're yeah. like, that guy is trying to power bomb that whole group of people, but his partner's in there, so he's trying to power bomb his partner. That guy's an idiot. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or or you got yeah like two guys trying to superplex somebody on the top, and then one guy gets underneath both of them and gets the arm under the crotches, and then you know slams all of them. Uh, it's cool. It. There's no way to do it now, I don't think, that doesn't look completely uh, uh, convoluted and um, contrived. Yeah. They did a fun version here. I think it's good. You can do a lot. No, th- this with, is a this yeah. is a well-done example of it. Yes. yes you can do a lot so. with guys in the electric chair position. Like, you could do it where Tajiri's up there and then Ray does, like, a springboard and kills him. That could also be a lot of fun. So, yeah, you could kill a guy, yeah. So, <laughs> not literally. But anyway, Jamie, that's, that's always an option. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jamie Noble gets two off of both the guys. He, he p- tries to pin both of them after that. 
Uh, yeah, he pins him in the wrong order. He should have pinned Ray first, but he pins Tajiri first. I'm like, Ray was higher up. He got the brunt of that. I know. He's closer. There we go. Bad strategy from Jamie Noble. Uh, yeah, he power slams Tajiri. But he gets to, he, he, uh, power slams Tajiri for two. And then a buzzsaw kick from Tajiri leads to a broken up pinfall as Ray scrambles across the ring. Some good scrambling here. Some good pinfall breaking up. And then Ray mm-hmm. hits Ray hits a 619 on Jamie Noble. And so Tajiri goes for a pin on Jamie Noble because he's on the inside of the ring. Ray has 619 him, so he's sitting on the apron. So Ray hits a springboard leg drop on Tajiri to stop that. And it's a little bit it's a little bit of a shuddery kind of thing where I think the ref has to hold up a little bit for Ray to kind of get there in time. He he had to hold up a quite a noticeable amount. Yeah. The refing in this episode, I know we love talking about refs. Yes. because uh, they're the best. The refing in this episode is pretty it's really atrocious actually bad. it's it, it's really what I, it's nhl playoffs bad it, it's i i noticed it more tonight than i ever have watching this uh, particular program yeah. uh so that uh and i get it because like the problem with the springboard is like it's not immediate like he should have been in the air at one and then yes. by two he'll get the leg on him listen i can't do any of the things any of these guys do i need to make that abundantly clear so the ref does have to hold up um but it was noticeable that's all i'll say it's also funny because I feel like the the the, the direction is like you got to break it up at two, but it's like it you could break it up at one. Like I wouldn't be mad if you broke it up at one or before it even hits one. Like you don't have to do it in a way that it's like oh it's the last possible moment because you run into things like this which are unfortunate. Yeah. So uh Ray, yeah so Ray hits the springboard leg drop onto Jerry to stop it. Ray covers the Jerry and then Jamie Noble puts the Jerry's leg on the ropes. Because he's outside the ring. All he can do yeah. to stop the pinfall is just put his leg on the ropes, which I love that as a detail, which is great. Clever. Yeah. Puts his puts his opponent's foot on the rope to stop the match from ending. Yeah. Ray hits uh, 619 on Noble while he's on the apron. So he's not in the ring. He's on the apron, which is fun. Obviously, he, you're just as susceptible on the outside of the ring or on the apron, at least. And so- Taz calls in a 916. Um, oh, God. Sure. <laughs> there's so many things you like could do that would be like an opposite 619 and i'm not comfortable with just being like oh the guys on the other side of their apron is being the one thing you go oh it's a 916 like what's a 169 <laughs> anyway uh and so uh ray goes for a springboard onto jerry but jerry just kicks him in the head which is fun yeah that works and then there's a suplex back into the ring but it gets reversed and ray rolls up to jerry to win the match with Jamie Noble out of yeah. the equation. And so he's ready, He's heading to face Matt Hardy or whoever is Cruiserweight champion at WrestleMania. Yeah, it could be Matt Hardy, Matt, or Billy Kidman. We'll find out later in this episode of television. But yeah. uh, right now, Ray's going to WrestleMania for his first ever uh, Mania match. There we go. Uh, yeah, it was yeah a lot of creative three-man spots there. It was just a lot of fun. And uh, a great way to start the show. I was like, the, the energy on this was great. The crowd was... The energy was great. The crowd was super into it. Huge pop for Ray to win. It was a, a hot, hot opener. People always want to cheer Ray Mysterio. They just want to. They want to see the guy win. They want to see him do stuff. So just it's a victory there. Yeah. Uh, we get a little rundown yeah. of what's coming up later tonight. We are, we're told Hulk Hogan yeah. and Vince McMahon are going to be face-to-face. Kind of fun. It's oh always God. funny when they say this sort of thing, and then uh, the one of the guys makes it face-to-face. Do you know what I mean here? Because like, what they should say is, yeah. Hulk Hogan's going to come talk to us, and Vince McMahon is here, and I don't know, maybe they'll see each other. Instead, they're, you know, it's it's not like they're doing a thing <laughs> where there's two chairs in the middle of the ring, and Vince comes out, and Hogan comes out, and they just sit in each other, and they just have a debate or something like that. Uh, but we're also yeah. going to have uh, Benoit and Rhino facing Team Angle, uh, and they don't tell us it, but it's a non-title match. So we will see. Speaking of a match that's non-title, because there's no titles to be won by either team here, Los Guerreros are going up against the FBI, which are Chuck Palumbo and Johnny Stamboli. They'll be coming to the ring by Nunzio. Who already had a match tonight? 
He had a match uh, on Velocity. That's right. And now I believe, if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time we get to see Los Guerreros with their Viva La Raza entrance music in Titantron. It is. Okay, good. Yeah, because I, I thought it was the first time as well, and I was like, what? Unless I missed it, but no, this is when they get like the really peppy, uh, yeah, we lie, we cheat, we steal song. It's awesome. It's I a lot it. of fun. And I'm like, ah, what a, what a time to celebrate the Guerreros, Los Guerreros even. Like, just so proud of them. I'm glad they can be who they are, uh, you know, even even despite the, the different challenges they have as Latino men in, in North America. And then I see a sign being held up by a woman in the crowd as Los Guerreros come in. And it reads, Lying Useless oh, no. Cheating Thieves. <laughs> that could be for anybody, though, man. Oh, my gosh. That could be for anybody. It's not specific. He's, he, he may be talking about uh, Team Angle or, or uh, Paul Heyman's cadre of, of clients, right? It could be the, It could be them. I think I choose to believe it's them, man. I could be anybody. I, I was shocked. I mean, you know, it's one thing to have the kind of the casual th- racism where the people are like, wow, whatever. They, you know, they're, they're, they're like field hands and they, they kind of rub it. And you're like, and you go, you know what? In 2021, you don't make that joke. And, you know, I think it's kind yeah. of, you know, we're a bit more aware of it. But in 2003, to write a sign and be like, I, when the when Latino guys come out, I'm going to write, say, lying, useless, cheating thieves. It's like, all right, you need to be on a watch list because I think you're gonna. You might do the something useless. at a local Mexican restaurant that I'm concerned about here. The useless there goes goes very far, and it's the wrong yeah. sign to have too because they're supposed to be baby faces here. Thank I you. Think. Or yes. They're supposed to be have. They're supposed to have turned uh, baby face recently, right? With this yes. new peppy theme song, uh, and it's fun to lie, cheat, and steal. Um, so yeah, I guess this this young woman did not get the memo. I mean, she. It does include both all lying, cheating, and stealing, but the useless in there and calling them thieves more than uh, stealing. I guess it's just that the, the word choice. The word choice. Anyway, it just when 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 signs kind of take my breath away and make me that uncomfortable. I'm going to mention them on the podcast. It's important to me. You should. <laughs> it's pretty baffling. It is so, pretty baffling. Yeah. The obvious match from last week would be a six man tag match with Rikishi here. By the way, because there's there's Los Guerreros and Rikishi uh, had a yeah. tussle with the FBI, who had three other guys. But Michael Cole even calls this out, essentially. He says, you know what? Uh, Rikishi is actually on a PR tour, and he can't be here. Um, yeah, he's in Germany. He's in Germany. So we do find out later in the uh, episode that these guys were all in South America – or South Africa, sorry. Huge, huge difference. Just mis- mm-hmm. misspeak there. Um, so just an ocean away. I, I presume, I guess, Rikishi's just still doing some matches, or maybe he's like uh, – I don't know. He was doing some diplomatic stuff. Maybe he's going to go visit uh, you know, Munich and uh, somewhere else there. Bundesliga. Yeah, he's wolfing down schnitzel. You know, yeah, he's gonna be enjoying some schnitzel. Who's to say? Yeah, so we'll have to we'll have to wait for that six man tag match. So, uh, so yeah, so we start off here. We have uh, Chavo smacks Chuck Palumbo and he baits him into coming outside. And so Chuck Palumbo comes in and he smacks him while because he was waiting for him, which I like that. It's like makes him mad and then he gets uh, knocked over by Eddie Guerrero there. And so Chuck tags in Johnny Stamboli who runs into a perfect dropkick from Eddie. And then Michael Cole calls Johnny Stamboli the powerhouse of the team, which I guess could be true, but Chuck is both taller and, I think, arguably bigger than him. Yeah. It's kind of an odd thing to say. Now, that's like Stamboli did, if I'm not mistaken, uh, military press Rikishi recently, which is one of those things that's like, man, save that for a pay-per-view or something, because that's an insane thing to be able to do. But, uh, yeah. I don't think anyone's saving saving Johnny for a pay-per-view, to be honest with you. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Johnny. Johnny Hugger, I think, is his real name. Uh, so yeah, so John Hugger, yeah, yeah. So Chuck grabs Eddie in a fallaway slam position, then he pops him onto his shoulders and falls backwards, Samoan drop style. And I, I kind of like the movement and impact of that. I thought it was pretty good. 
And then uh, Eddie gets into a bear hug. He gets out of the bear hug, and then he gets a pop-up Hurricane Rana, which was nice. And then we have the hot tag to Chavo. And he hits some low drop kicks on Chuck. And then he gets this very this very fun running, swinging Tornado DDT, uh, which I thought looked very yeah. cool. I enjoy that. Uh, Eddie and Chuck fly over the top rope together, leaving Chavo in the ring. Uh, but he also has to deal with Nuncio, and he brings Nuncio into the ring. And then there's kind of a fun ending here, which I liked. So Chavo goes to the top rope. He hits a crossbody. And then Johnny catches him, and he hits a fallaway slam. But as soon as he lands on the ground, because part of the fallaway slam is you also have to fall and throw the guy behind you. But the moment he lands on the ground, Eddie flies in and frog splashes him. Now, the one thing I will say here, I'm going to ask Will. Will, where did Eddie make contact on Johnny? Do you remember this? It looked like his face? He looks like he lands only on his head. (laughs) Which would yeah, not be funny. Yeah, looks like he lands on his head. And this in the, on the network looked like it had some kind of weird edity thing happening. Uh, yeah. But it, it plays out smoothly. Like, I never lost track of where, you know, they were in space. So it, it all made sense to me. But it just seemed like they did some sort of trickery there. Uh, but, yeah, it looks like Eddie Frog Splash Johnny the Bull Stand Bully on his face. Now Johnny's okay, although yes. he does not win this match. No, he does not. Uh, because after the Frog Splash, Chavo gets to cover Johnny for the one, two, three. And so the Los Guerreros are victorious. I presume that edit, by the way, Will, I bet they just changed an angle, right? Like, I bet they probably had one before. That oh, it's possible. It didn't look as good. Yeah. And now they're like, well, let's show the one where at least it looks like he lands on his freaking head or his freaking face, as you say. Um, right, right. Um, Cole, uh, as soon as they hit yes. the three, Cole says, uh, the Guerreros cheat to win. Which I, I always take exception with this. They did not, like, like this is the. It wasn't a, yeah. This is like the least, if if it is cheating, it's like the least amount of cheating. It's it's the jaywalking of cheating. It's the least yes. you could possibly do, which is just hit the guy who's the legal man when you're the illegal man. Um, yeah, it, it was weird. Um, a good match. Um, the crowd wasn't into it, though. They were pretty silent the whole way. I don't think yeah. they're backing the Guerrero, Los Guerreros as baby faces yet. When uh, Chavo got tagged in, I had in my notes that Chavo gets the cold tag. Uh, they just okay. weren't feeling it. They may still be blown up after the first match. I'm not sure. But uh, I will say the crowd was pretty silent uh, for this. And I think the next little bit, too. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. There's some stuff that they're not hugely interested. Um Let's continue. Yeah. Um, after the match, there's a little moment here. The FBI attack Los Guerreros. They super kick Eddie when he's mm. covered with Nuncio's leather jacket, and they mug Chavo for a little uh, bit there. So yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, F- the FBI continue to look impressive uh, after their matches, despite having like a pretty horrendous win loss record. Um, like they're one and they, have they got? Do they have one win yet? I mean, it's it's questionable. They're one and five. I recently won. Wa- this is AW. I recently watched in a video from NXT, and it was, uh, I believe, Aaliyah in the in the video when one of their women wrestlers there. She said something about how she was going to mm-hmm. win tonight, and someone in the comments was just like, "I'm I'm really shocked by how optimistic she is, considering mm-hmm. <laughs> she has won yeah. a match in the last like four years, six, five years. Like she yeah. just she's lost almost everything, and yet she's still backstage being like, obviously I'm going to win. <laughs> it's like you don't win. Yeah. Hey, I'll pull for Aaliyah. She's Canadian, so yeah. I'm on her side. Yes, I expect uh, – I'm sure you'll you, you guys will cross paths at some point, I say, uh, for some reason. I don't know why I'm confident of that, but I think it will happen. And so then we see um, like the cage has a little strobe light moment. It's blinking and flashing yep. us uh, to prepare for us to see the match later on. And and then then we see Paul Heyman, and he's asking, why why him? You know, Why does he have to be in a cage with Brock Lesnar? And he's he's there with Big Show, A-Train, and Team Angle. And now, Will, real quick. He says, what did I do? He says, what did I do to deserve this? Right. 
<laughs> I mean, we could we could easily give you an itemized list, Paul. The whole show runs down what he did to deserve this, which yes. is the best part. Uh, well, how old is Paul Heyman here? Do you know? Oh, man. Is he something like distressingly young, like 41 or something? <laughs> He's in his late 30s here, Will. Yeah, late 30s. So he's almost my age, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Because I'm watching He's this. standing there. So, yeah. Well, he's got yeah. a match coming up tonight. And he's in this, his three-piece suit with his yep. Yankees hat. Yes. Later on, he'll have his wrists taped. I don't know if yes. he has his wrists taped right now. But later on, he does have his wrists taped. I think only to make sure he doesn't break his wrists from taking a bump wrong. I legitimately Maybe. think that's the only reason he has them taped up. It is pretty funny, the only though. thing that indicates he's having any sort of athletic contest. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, almost everybody else, even if they have to be in a match, at least they put them in, like, track pants and let them look like an idiot. Like, a, like It's like a coachman kind of thing. Like, they always do that. But uh, well, I remember yeah. Jim Cornette at Mind Games 1996. In fact, <laughs> oh, yeah. the only Mind Games that ever took place. But he had a match against Jose Lothario, who was Shawn Michaels' trainer, or in kayfabe, his trainer. Yeah. And Cornette came out in, like, a full-body spandex suit and... I don't want to body shame anybody, but Jim Cornette probably has the worst body I've ever seen uh, ever. And this is when he was trimmer. Like nowadays right. he looks, you know, not he didn't look long for this world. Um, but but stay with us, Jimmy. Um, or or not, depending on where you fall with Jim Cornette. But yeah, um, yeah you think and, and Paul Heyman will have matches later on in his career too, where he does dress a little more athletically, but here yes. he's in his full just three piece yep. suit. Just, exactly. Exactly, and so yeah, he's with he's with Big Show, A Train, and Team Angle. And he's wondering what's going on there, and then Paul, Kurt Angle comes in. Uh, Will, do you own the shirt that Kurt Angle's wearing on this? Uh, I, I owned the Team Angle yeah. shirt. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, sick. yeah, yeah. Paul's freaking out. He's saying he's a super. He's not a superstar. He's a super agent. And then Kurt That's gives right. him a nice, nice pep talk here. Yes, he asks why he's a pep talk. He's a pep talk later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he, Paul, he asks why Paul's worried, and Paul's like, "Well, Brock will F five me." And Big Show says, "You know, I've got your back." <laughs> And then Kurt says, okay, well, hold on. Let me talk to Stephanie. We've got history. Yeah. And he leaves confident. And uh, We've got a personal relationship. Yeah. We have talked before about how we we've en- we have, up to this point, I think generally the podcast, we've enjoyed uh, seeing Kurt sometimes rekindle or hint at the affection that he had for Stephanie back into, in the year 2000, which is, I don't know, just like one of those little storyline details. It's like, yeah, that's kind of nice to throw that in there. You don't need to, to uh, put that up front all the time. You have to there. Um yeah, anyway. So it's good. Then we get to the uh, WrestleMania promo with Limp Biscuit, And so we hear this song. Oh, yeah. So I'm right addicted now. to cracking skulls when punk starts static. Yeah, I don't know what – I've never understood what they're saying. I mean, yes, obviously the – I'm addicted to cracking skulls. Trust I, static. I, I had to look it up, just like the Beautiful People song. Yeah. He he says, it, give it to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, he says, you know, I'm a crack addict. I'm a crack addict. I'm addicted to cracking skulls. When punks start static. Oh, what a what a convoluted! I know what he's saying there, but that's a dumb way of saying that. The the lyrics are completely idiotic and asinine. Also, they have entirely too many f bombs for a WrestleMania song. Really? Uh, and it also references Woodstock '99. Look up in the stands. Got another riot on our hands. There we go. I mean, if I was in Woodstock '99, I think I would also talk about it on songs a lot because it weirdly gives you a little bit of uh, cred. Makes you a bit tougher, even if you're Limp Bizkit. Even if you're Limp Biscuit, the WWE's, well, you'll see how they get introduced when the WrestleMania show comes along, because it All right. is awesome. I'm very excited to, I have no idea what Will's referring to here, I don't remember, and I'm excited to tell you. Oh, to man, you just wait. Okay, good. Okay. You just wait. We see Stephanie McMahon is at her laptop, and her bangs are completely yeah. out of control here. She's got, she's, <laughs> it's, it's, Stephanie, routinely this podcast, we talk about how good Stephanie looks, I allude to the fact that I had a crush on her when I was that age, and. 
Um, of course, yeah. Yeah. And, but, and I'm just very confident in saying that her bangs are completely ridiculous uh, here, and that's okay. Uh, not the, not That's why she's not in Playboy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, she gosh. Teased, uh, possibly, she teased possibly being in the, the pages of Playboy magazine. Oh, man. I really, I was really not a fan of that. Uh, of that moment last <laughs> that week. Reveal. You... Oh gosh. What reveal just... wait, reveal's the wrong way to put it. I'm sorry. The the yes. uh, uncovering. No, sorry. The um the peeling back. Oh, boy. No. Ah oh, man, what yeah. do I mean to say? Sorry. Foot and mouth. Boy. So in, in walk uh Kurt Angle and Paul Heyman. And Paul Heyman's well, you know, I'm a, I'm a negotiator, which is why I'm here. And that, Yeah, Booby, he's got this. Yes. There's just a very a very fun little comedy moment here where Paul acts very confidently. Yeah. In front of Stephanie before breaking down and begging Stephanie on his hands and knees to stop the match. Yeah, he wants this one small concession. One small concession. Steph says, "Uh, you're not getting out of the match, Paul. He's like, no, this one small concession. Please don't let me do it. Please. Grabs her by the legs. She's like, get your hands off me. Yeah. Oh, so good. Uh, it's all of this is a little bit funnier considering that Paul, that Paul Heyman got fired from his job running SmackDown like two weeks ago, uh, which is just kind of a weird (laughs) kind of backstage dynamic aspect of it here, but he's going through some personal, I don't know if it's turmoil because he's still around and he seems to be doing all right, but that's okay. So, so Kirk gets Paul to leave. He sucks it up for the show. If he, if he's upset, he doesn't show it. For sure. That's right. When Paul's gone, Kurt starts to turn on the charm with Stephanie. He talks about their perf, their professional, and more importantly, their personal relationship. And then Kurt starts to unbutton her jacket. Yeah, and and, she's and wearing she, well. She's wearing like a pea coat. Yes. Um, but yeah, he's, he's, but, he's but she's, which her... she, is buttoned all the way up and he unbuttons all of it yes. and she lets him do it the yeah. whole thing. And the whole time it's happening, I, I'm just staring at my TV with my eyes crinkled. Going, what, what is happening? <laughs> Why is this? Ha- like, I do not remember. It's Kurt Angle stripping Stephanie McMahon. Uh, he says he, that she had a thing for him and he does for her. And then Stephanie does, I don't know, kind of a porny, like undoes her hair, shakes it out, touches his <laughs> face. She says, there's Get a time and place going. for this. Sorry, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Get the bangs. Get, get, sorry, get those bangs going. By the way, the way I mean bangs, I mean the hair in front of her face. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> sorry. Walked into Apologies. that. Uh, oh, boy. Stephanie says there's a time and place for this, but it's not now. Their time was in the past. So essentially, she's annoyed with Kurt because he acts like she's dumb, like he's not trying to trick her, but she knows that. Uh, and He insults her intelligence. He shouldn't yeah. do that. I know. Uh, but she really let him get as far as he could with it first. Uh, sure. And then, okay, then, then there's a part here that we need to talk about for at least 25 minutes. She says, you know what, you know what, Kurt, WrestleMania coming up here, it might actually be a rematch for you. Because if Brock Lesnar beats Paul Heyman tonight, then Brock Lesnar will face you, Kurt Angle, for a title match next week. In Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. I don't know if she mentions it there, but we, did, we yeah. know, I think, right now it's, it's going to be in Kurt's hometown. Turns out to be in yeah. Kurt's hometown. So, mm-hmm. Okay. We could talk about the uh, very real-life reason for why this sort of thing is happening here. But storyline-wise, this makes zero sense. Yeah. Yeah. It makes zero sense. No. Like, why like, would she want to give away – I don't know. Yeah, it's absurd. Yeah, like, unless she, she wants to have, like, a major match on SmackDown or something. But, like, wouldn't – like, if she was a competing GM with Eric Bischoff, wouldn't he just be like, well, there's a title match this week. Well, there's a title match this week. Well, we're going to do it. The, like, yeah. just have title matches all over the place and screw the pay-per-views because they don't really matter to either show because the pay-per-views – as of right now, aren't exclusive. Right. I mean, that exactly. It wouldn't make any difference. So it's, yeah, it's it's one of those things that like, and they keep bringing it up throughout the show and you're like, yeah, but you have to explain why that event would take place, why they would do this. Now, the real life reason is that they were trying at the time to find a way for Kurt Angle to lose the WWE title before WrestleMania. This is a thing I've heard Kurt talk about it. It's on the podcast. Obviously, wrestlers don't always 
Uh, they're not always the most accurate on podcasts. Not their fault. A lot of things happen, especially people who get hit in the head a bunch. Um, yeah, but the whole thing Steve was says. yes. So yeah, the idea was okay. We gotta let we gotta get, take the title off of Kurt. We gotta get Brock the title now, and then maybe we can face Chris Benoit at WrestleMania. That was the thought. Well, that's one one way we could get around these things. And they don't end up doing it. I don't remember why exactly. Um, different heads prevail, and if Kurt gets a, maybe a different diagnosis at the time, but. They're essentially trying to set up a situation so that Brock Lesnar can beat Kurt Angle for the title next week, which is just a crazy thing to think about, that they would, you know, less than a month yeah. before a pay-per-view, the match they've been building up since, you know, more or less December uh, will uh, will not will not be happening on pay-WrestleMania. It will be happening a few weeks before. Strange thing. But it, uh, due to injury, uh, not yes. due to really anything. I think, I guess Kurt got like a ninth opinion or something. And uh, yes. they said you can go through with the match. But, like, I've talked about it before. It's really scary for Kurt right up until this match happens. Yeah. And even all during this match where I'm really concerned for his well-being. And then by the end of that match, extremely concerned for both men's well-being. Yeah. It's it's a wild it's a wild uh, turn of events. It's really crazy. Uh, Kurt leaves yeah. uh, leaves here in disbelief. And we're going to have yeah, to kind of Michael Cole says, that. well, what a shocker. What absolutely. A shocker. Well, it's Truly. So Matt Hardy with Shandon Moore is going to go up against Billy Kidman. It's for the Cruiserweight Championship. Matt Hardy beat Billy Kidman for it at No Way Out. Uh, there's a little bit, little yes. bit of light cheating there. Uh, light cheating, To sure. get the victory there. Um, and so Matt, the math facts uh, this week, which which are, <laughs> like, yeah, uh, devoid of context are bizarre. Because the first one is just Matt enjoys looking at pictures in Playboy. It's like, okay. And then Matt considers himself a sex symbol, which is a bit more uh, up the alley for this. So these are alluding to the uh, that Tori Wilson is going to be in Playboy, um, but we haven't talked about it recently. And Matt Hardy is, um, you know, just kind of apropos of nothing. He just yeah. says, uh, "So Playboy, huh? You see the latest one? It's pretty great." Yeah. See that one? Like, okay. That's weird. Uh, maybe That's Playboy just... asked them to do a certain amount of advertising in exchange for having Tori in their magazine. I mean, sure. they advertise her, I mean, later on in this episode. Uh, next week, we have some very exciting news about Tori's Playboy oh, shoot. Gosh. So, you know, it's it's, it's, uh, it's real fascinating stuff. So I think Playboy, yes, they, they do enjoy kind of the free publicity they get from WWE for putting her in the pages of their publication that's right and so Kidman starts strong this match here he gets a drop kick but then matt hardy dips into don marie's moveset and he gets a slingshot on Kidman that sends him to the outside of the ring which is something i've seen ah, yes. uh, don marie do and almost no one else and just kind of a strange thing usually guys slingshot people either into the turnbuckle into the corner or they kind of uh get choked them on the rope there interesting thing so by the way it's don marie wilson I, i'd like to say her full name thank you very much sure yes okay let's pay respect to that of course so uh, Matt gets Kim into submission, but then Kim gets an enziguri, which Matt takes in the face, like he always does for whatever reason. And then <laughs> Kim crotches Matt on the ropes. He follows up with a low down for two, and then uh, Kim even does a uh, his best Matt Hardy impression. He gets the second rope. He does the Matt Hardy yell, and he hits a leg drop from the second rope, which gets two. And then Kim goes to the shooting star press, but Shannon drags Matt out. Uh, and so Kidman follows that up with a crossbody to the outside. I was a little disappointed because we've seen Billy Kidman, I think on these two guys, actually, hit a uh, springboard shooting star press to the outside onto them. I was like, well, just do that. But he didn't. So, too bad. He was playing it uh, playing it safe uh, this time. That's right. So Matt goes for a twist of fate, but Kidman counters it. Matt, Matt counters that, and he throws him into Shannon Moore, who is on the apron. And then Kidman walks into another twist of fate. And that's enough to do it. That's one, two, three. And I don't even know if that's really cheating. 
No, no. What was the point of what was the point of the ref distraction? Because like when Shannon's on the apron, the ref goes to get rid of him, and then Matt's just like, "All right, I'll give you another twist of fate." And then, yeah, so Matt just goes for the twist of fate, and then gets pushed out of it. Uh, but then reverses Kidman into Shannon Moore, who's on the apron, and then hits another twist of fate for the win. So I guess this is an example of like Shannon trying to do the right thing and be like, "Ooh, I'll distract him right now." When Matt clearly almost already had things in hand right does yeah. that make sense so that's the only thing i can think of but i don't think they have any sort of acknowledgement to like oh looks like shannon moore thought he was doing the right thing and he just screwed up what an idiot they didn't say anything like that it's just like he just distracted the ref while matt had things well in hand and then that was uh, the match yeah i mean plus shannon yeah didn't affect the outcome because what he did ended up working out anyway so it works okay yeah it did yeah so Michael Cole exclaims, Matt's going to WrestleMania. And it's it's kind of funny because he does it in this Royal Rumble-esque kind of way that he's talking about it. He's just like, <laughs> he's he's going to WrestleMania. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. it's like, I mean, I mean, the Cruiserweight champion retained his title. Uh, it's kind of the big, the headline here. But I guess that's true. I mean, I know mm-hmm. I, I know technically uh, the match with Rey Mysterio was now confirmed for WrestleMania. Um, yeah. So sure, this is back when they put the Cruiserweight uh, title on WrestleMania and didn't just put it on a pre-show and cause men to yeah. quit. Yeah, okay, there we go. Who who quit because of that? Uh, wasn't that Aries and, um, oh man, was it Aries and Neville, that uh, WrestleMania 33? Mm, crud. That sounds about right, uh, I'm gonna, though. Uh, why, why don't you go on the show, man? Let's look something up real quick here. I'd love to here. So we're going to see, we see a brief Brock Lesnar-Paul Heyman flashback, which is the first of many of these. And so it's just a just Brock Lesnar winning the title at SummerSlam. So we're slowly going to hear this story as the show goes on there. But just Brock winning the title at SummerSlam. I don't even know Paul Heyman's even in it. I think you know he was there, but he didn't really make much of an appearance in the clip. No, there. he's kind of just on the outside. And then we see a clip from last week when Tori Wilson was anu- was announced as being in Playboy. Uh, so big exciting news here. And then we see footage from her, her shoot. Um, now, before we get too excited, just the clothes parts. Um, before we get really excited, you're also just going to hear me describe it, so it's not that interesting. Uh, so, <laughs> Tori says she always dreamed of being a playboy, and uh, I, I don't know. That strikes me as a weird thing to dream for. I don't know if that makes sense yeah, to me. Nobody, nobody does. They no. just tell her to say it. Yeah, it's like no, nobody dreams of that. Yeah, it's it's yeah. I understand that maybe in the moment you'd be like, you know what, I'd like to make a bunch of money. Like I, I get that as a motivator, but not like when I was a 12 year old girl, I dreamed about being naked in a magazine for men to uh, look at. And I told my dad that, and he showed me his stack of Playboys, and he said, well, you better get studying, because... And he goes... By yeah. the way, you have any friends at work I can... <laughs> exactly. And then and then my dad was like, oh, Al was like, yeah, I like brunettes for some reason. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> so we're told nurse uh, outfit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so they will reveal the cover of Tori's issue next week on the show. So... What I noticed, Matt, in this video is, yes. um, so yeah, they, they they show all the clothed, obviously, aspects of Tori's shoot, mm-hmm. and um, she, at the very end, she's you know, kind of like, oh, thanks for coming by, MTV Cribs, and she gives a, a kiss blow to the camera in, like, her dressing room, and her dressing room on the wall right behind her head has the WWE program shot of Billy Kidman. It's the one you would get in the WWE program that you bring around to the airport to get people to sign. And it's just Kidman's, like, you know, shirtless photo just standing there. Nice. Uh, yeah, I was like, oh, that's good. That's good that Kidman gets uh, gets in on this. Uh, I wish she had yeah. a picture of her dad, too, actually. I think kayfabe, that would have been nicer. If she had, oh, like, a dad with, like, a, a bouquet of black roses uh, circling it. It'd be funny if Don Marie was still in mourning and just only wear black things and... 
Uh, That'd be your gimmick now, I'm sure. If, the, if, yeah. if, if this happened like nowadays, she'd just be like the Eternal Mourner or something. Yeah. The Eternal Mourn. That's a pretty cool name. That sounds like a good finisher, um, honestly. Uh, it's, <laughs> the the Tory Wilson Billy Kidman stuff is kind of sad because it's like, man, if you put Tory with Billy Kidman, that actually would make him a lot more interesting. I mean, the obvious thing to do too yeah. is you just do the Sable Mark Merrill thing again, where Billy Kidman is jealous of Sable's attention or uh, Tory Wilson's attention, and he becomes a heel or something like that. I think potentially it could work, but they didn't. Yeah, because there's not a lot happening with uh, BK right now, man. No. I got to tell you, no, he's, yeah. he's angry at Shannon Moore on Saturday night. I guess he was in two matches uh, that night too. Kind of weird to think about. Yeah. Well, anyway, Matt, so that's that's it with for Tori and Playboy, so no more horniness for the rest of the show, which is exciting, so we can move on. Uh, unfortunately, we're entering maybe the most horny part no. of the show, unfortunately. So, yes. <laughs> no. We're back in the interview area, and Nydia is there, and she's just pulling on her hair, annoyed. Josh Matthews <laughs> says she's still upset not like about mankind not... pulling her hair out. She's just yes. kind of like, you know, twiddling she's it around. She's playing with it. Yeah, exactly. She's not going re re in the corner. And she's not freaking out. Yeah, Matthew says you're, you're still upset about not being picked for Playboy, and then mentions. They have footage from earlier in the week. <laughs> and then, what was her camera crew there? I mean, it's an excellent question. She's trying to break into this thing. She, yeah. So that's, usually when they have stuff from so early, earlier in the week, or you know, you're still in a WWE kind of environment. You know, you're at an arena. You're either there early yes. in the day, or you're at a different show, like a house show thing. Yep. In this case, we see footage of Nidia seemingly trespassing the Playboy Mansion, complete with a WWE camera crew, apparently. And she's yep. quickly confronted by security guards who don't know who she is. I think she tells them my name's Nindy, and a guy immediately calls her Nadine. It's all a joke. She got the, they got there way too late. Like, are there not, like, walls surrounding this compound? Like, she infiltrated the gate uh, somehow? She's just on the grounds. The security's like, oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? She's and been they on the grounds for- the camera crew at all. She's been there for minutes at this point. Like, she's clearly, she's in the thick of things. Like, she could go up and talk to somebody at a pool, surely. And- she was steps away from the grotto. Steps. Yeah. And as she's being escorted away, she tells them, hey, go tell Hugh Hefner that he should watch mm-hmm. Girls Gone Wild on Thursday. <laughs> which is next don't week. Don't watch your competitor in a way. Yeah. Well, no, Playboy truly, has, I think it, at this point, Playboy has its own channel. So they are in the television business. So go watch your competitor uh, on pay-per-view on this Thursday. I could genuinely plead it is funny that. that. It is funny to like, this is actually the first time this episode where somebody goes, yeah, have you seen this person? Well, tell him that I'm doing this because it happens <laughs> right after this segment. It does. <laughs> so she, yeah, tell security to tell Hef uh, to watch Girls Gone Wild. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Hefner, are you busy right now? I had the, this uh, woman was uh, escorted from the premises early this evening, although she did say to watch the uh, GGW PPV on Thursday night. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. And so... Uh, and she says she'll give Hugh a couple of reasons as to why she should be on Playboy. And she alludes that she's talking about what's going on on her chest. And so after That's the right. clip, Nidia twirls around. <laughs> said she says she's gorgeous. And then I had to kind of listen to this because I had a hard time. She challenges Tori to a body challenge next week. And Josh Matthews says, what's a body challenge? Yes. And then uh, to to drive the point home, I'm gonna make I, I'm gonna make you say this. You have to say this. Uh, what does he say exactly? Because I what, no, I'm not going to because I, I I didn't know exactly what was said here. Uh, I, no, all she says is like uh, she says I challenge her to a body challenge. And Josh says, "What's a body challenge?" He said, "It's just a challenge to see who looks better naked. That's all it is. Right? <laughs> it's just a naked off." So it's it's like it's like a lingerie contest or a bikini contest without uh, the beginning of the lingerie. It's just right. a contest. Man, what the things they promise on the show are so over the top sometimes. Uh, and then to make well, this is on the pay per view yeah. though. 
She's promising this on a oh, pay-per-view that's rated okay. MA for mature audiences only. I thought it was going to be at the uh, on SmackDown next week. Okay, maybe it is going to be. Who knows? Well, here's another question, Matt. What night does SmackDown air? I wonder that, too. It must be after SmackDown. It must it be. must be late at night. Yeah. <laughs> Stick around for the Girls Gone Wild pay-per-view. Taz and I have it both here on our monitors. We will not leave the arena until we have seen the whole show. Give you a rocket buster. Taz, put that away. We will not stand up at any point. We're going to stay right here with the broadcast table. <laughs> Just wait for a while. Uh, anyway, so Nydia, Nydia flashes Josh Matthews to drive the point home, and he does kind of a classic, like a yeah, 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 yeah face. Boy, yeah, yeah. 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 He's uh, enthralled. The gentleman's I mean, enthralled. I will say he, about Nydia, yeah. she is extremely, extremely entertaining. Like, she's probably yes. the best women's woman's talker on probably any of the shows. Oh, she's lovely. Uh, she's she's great. And uh, I am, again, sad about kind of how she just ends up out of the company at some point but she is a lot of fun she really is she would do well now honestly i think she could do quite well she she would yeah i think she was almost ahead of her time matt she was a little too entertaining and she was supposed to be like the you know delusional sexy chick who's not as sexy as the other girls uh so that's kind of where she got stuck but she had a lot of she seemed to be having a lot of fun with this role it is always funny when they're like, she's not that hot. And there's like probably conservatively 40% of the guys are like, uh, yeah, she is. She's like, really, she does it for me. Um, and so it's, that's always funny yeah. when they're like, oh, it's like, yeah, there's different strokes for different folks. Uh, bad choice of words. Anyway, Taz at the announce table asked Cole to flash him. And then he says, I should work backstage. And then, yeah, they, they make a point, like Will says here, they're saying, okay, look, it's a more mature rating than typical WWE fair. It's, it's TVMA. I don't know what the – what is SmackDown usually, I guess? Oh, it's, it's, yeah, I think it's TV14 at this point, maybe. Yeah. And then, you know, famously it'll be PG from, like, 2010 to now or even earlier. Yeah. Uh, but famously we're in the quote-unquote PG era. But they have a full screenshot of, yes, the Girls Gone Wild pay-per-view – uh, order it from your local cable or satellite provider now. Uh, it's happening. It's rated for mature audiences only, but uh, we'll advertise it on this show. Much the same as Stephanie said, the following announcement is for mature audiences only. And you're in an arena, and you can't not hear it. So what are you supposed yeah. to do? Uh, so, yes, they're going They're going all in on the Tory. So Tory shoots Playboy, then does Girls Gone Wild. Then the next week, I think it hits the uh, – they'll do the cover reveal for the, her Playboy issue. Uh, and I think it hits newsstands quickly after that. Quick turnaround for the Playboy magazines. That's one of the reasons they stayed on top for so long, man. There we go. Taz adds it'll be an uplifting experience. Anyway. Oh, Taz. I know. <laughs> no. I know. It's okay. The, the horniness comes to an abrupt conclusion here where when Hulk Hogan, looking very serious despite looking like an idiot in his red and yellow boas. <laughs> Let me be dead ass with your brother. Yeah. <laughs> he looks awesome. he's, he's, he's looking around and then uh, Jimmy Cordero, so the referee, pops out of a room, and Hogan turns Just around. Leaves the room. <laughs> he goes, "Tell Vince that I'm going to the ring to show him who the real coward is." Yeah, and and, and Jimmy goes, "Okay." Yeah, and then my I love sometimes the the way they end segments are like they go into commercial breaks is so funny because Michael Cole simply says two words. He just goes. Fireworks next. <laughs> That's it. Not that there will be fireworks, just boom, declarative. When? Oh, it was so good. Oh man. Well, what is yeah. one way to show that you're so mad at the guy who made you the man you are today? Like, how can you show you're so mad? Well, of course, you come out to your music and you just strut and strum all the way down, 
be in a much better oh, yeah. mood. You stand extra amount and you chop it down with the edge of your hand. You do you do all the things to the Jimi Hendrix song that we don't get to hear, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, Hogan Hogan has a lot of energy, and then he gets on stage just like he's just like like he might as well be drinking an iced tea on the way down to the ring. Like he's just so <laughs> he's just so chill about it. This is pretty brisk, brother. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know if to read into if I should read into this or not. I'm sure they re-recorded it, but he's only announced as Hulk Hogan, not Hollywood Hulk Hogan. Hmm. Okay. He was Hollywood yeah, even, I, I, even I, a couple weeks ago. So even though like, he's like a good dude, ago, yeah. He's insanely over, Matt. He yes, is he insanely is. over. I mean, mm-hmm. like we can we can, we'll trash him all we want, and we will for this segment. But he is insanely over. I, I can't overstate it enough. Like how much like red and yellow there is in the crowd. Like he is like probably the number one. He's got he's the number one draw of the show by probably a mile. Sure, and probably the number one mer- merch seller in the company. Even better than Shirley. Um, I, no, he's it's. You don't like that? Okay, sorry. I wonder. Okay, are they editing down his reaction or like like his entrances? Because you you could edit this and make it a little bit more uh, entertaining to watch. Like I'm, I'm I'm glad that he's getting the 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 fans' attention. I'm glad that they are having a segment on the show. That's doing so well in the arena, but it's it takes it's so it's a lot to, a lot to watch because uh, you can watch like an exciting yeah. entrance and you're like okay, but like after the second time, it's like okay, I get it. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not in the ring freaking the uh, the arena freaking out either. Uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah, they would never cut down a reaction though. If anything, they would want to milk it for like it. all it's worth. Just shorten it because I mean it's funny the, these recent episodes have been like a, like an hour twenty seven, an hour twenty six, when usually it's an hour twenty five, like pretty religiously really. Uh, yeah, this this has a lot of this is a this is like a uh, 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 McCain Pizza Pop or uh, or Pillsbury Pizza Pop. It's got more stuff, Matt. Uh, and I think we would see it an ad for that during the show where they just smash the pizza pop on the counter oh, and all the stuff that. goes everywhere. <laughs> That's so gross. I could use this um, right now. Right? Yeah, perfect for a hot day. Yes, yeah. <laughs> boiling hot <laughs> tomato sauce. <laughs> like. Giant yeah. ravioli. I love recording uh, the podcast in the middle of a pandemic and a heat wave. Yeah, the world is not ending, folks. It's all good. Anyway, so Hogan gets on the mic. And Speaking of hot, Hogan comes in to spit hot fire, my friend. He does. He says he's done with Vince, and he's sure Vince would like him to go away. He's not going to do it. They've, no, brother. They've got a lot of history. And Hogan says they should, years, they should settle in the ring like men. And yeah. I, I I always like whenever, like, Hogan in this situation, he knows it's early March, and he's like, let's just fight now. It's like, do you, you know WrestleMania exists, right? <laughs> like, I'm, like, please have some situational awareness here. We were like, what, what should we do? Uh, so Vince McMahon comes out, and he gets mm-hmm. a loud asshole chant. And I love it because he yes. stops, and he goes, if you, the asshole's right there in the ring. And it's like he's so confident yeah. to do that, to call it out, partially because oh, Vince, yeah, he's Vince the only was guy the so good at responding to the crowd. Yeah, well, no one on the roster is going to get yelled at by Vince if Vince is the one doing it. You know what I mean? Like, Vince can't get mad at you if He's you're the one who can. <laughs> he, he has carte blanche. Unfortunately, Hulk only has carte uh, red and yellow. He does. Uh, and and just be clear, Vince is wearing, like, a, a wide a wide lapel, like, open uh, no-tie shirt. He's wearing an Al Wilson, uh, an Al Wilson <laughs> yeah. uh, wedding uh, suit. <laughs> That's exactly Vince right. Uh, I, lo- I love this. Vince just says, you know, I'd be happy to settle this like men, but you're not a man. You're a shell. Mm. Yeah. It's <laughs> so harsh. So Hogan tells Vince to shut up, and then tells him he didn't create Hulkamania, and it, it, it succeeded despite Vince. And Vince, when he says that, Vince has a look on his face like he's like, by the way, I have Linda Gunpoint somewhere in, in the state of uh, New York, <laughs> and if you don't give me $50 million, she's not going to make it. Like He's so horrified of the concept, the, the prospect, that he didn't make Hulkamania. 
Once again, Vince McMahon, the greatest or the worst actor in the history of broadcast television. You be the judge, folks. Uh, but man, that guy can sell. Uh, that guy can react. If it's acting true. is reacting, then he's the best reactor. <laughs> This should they should give it out a Wrestling Academy Award for uh, best reactor. Oh man, he does have a he's got a star on the Walk of Fame, so he's he does have that going. There you on. go, there you go, and you definitely earn those. You don't buy those. So uh, Hogan <laughs> Hogan also says that no one else that Vince ever picked had as much success as he did, and so now we're veering into territory that I find a little confusing as a wrestling fan. Yeah, because like, am I supposed to under like? Okay, was wrestling fake, but now it's real, or or wrestling is mm-hmm. fake, but this is real. Like, this is where yeah. things get a little... It's just a little tough. There's even more of it later on in the episode where oh, they're yeah. just like, hey, look at these guys practicing wrestling. Yeah. They <laughs> okay. kind of make it seem a little bit better there, but but it's tougher to figure it out. So just, yeah, that's right. kind of an issue. Like, I'm fine with being like, Hulk Hogan, you went to WCW that bummed me out. I get that. That yes. makes sense. Because at the time, it's like, yeah, Hulk Hogan did leave. He did go to WCW. It's not that much of a stretch to be like, I can believe all the things that I've seen on television and that he went to WCW. I mean, that's kind of the point of what the NWO was in a lot of ways. Yeah. So that's kind of a weird thing. So Hogan says, you know, I wanted to wrestle you a few weeks ago, uh, but I'll face you now. And then Vince says, there's no chance in hell. And I have no idea why I've heard that before, but the phrase sounds very familiar when Vince says it. Um, so did you uh, – we got over the part where it says um, if you actually think uh, – if you actually believe in your mind, if you actually think I was just the right guy at the right place at the, wrong, at the right time, well, then you're a bigger delusional bastard than I thought you were, McMahon. Did we get – we went over that? Well, I, we didn't there's talk a, about it, but you said it. Good. It's very good. Oh, okay. Well, because there's a huge TV edit here. Or, or sorry, a network edit. Oh, The okay, broadcast please. for – yes, this is a huge uh, – Hulk. this is one of the reasons why Hulk was only good at backstage promos. So – he, <laughs> I'm excited Man. for this. So they're going back and forth, right? First of all, uh, Vince McMahon says the word, uh, if you're starting to believe your own BS, Hogan, he says the BS word. Right. Uh, like, these guys are not pulling any punches. I think this is Matt's supposed to look like a shoot or seem like a shoot because they're going over, like, they're, 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 Hulk's voice is hanging on by uh, a uvula. <laughs> like, it's so raspy here. But anyways, he says, uh, you know, when Hulk says, look at the guys he gave the ball to. Look at the guys who had the belt. Look at the guys who ran to the goal line. Uh, nobody ran as hard as long as I did, McMahon. And this is what Hulk says. If you actually think, if you actually think I was just the right guy at the right place, at the wrong, at the right time, let me say it one more time so you can completely understand, McMahon. If you actually believe in your mind, if you actually think that I was just the right gay guy at the right place at the right time, well, then you're a more bigger delusional bastard than I thought you were, McMahon. And you know something? I had a match with you a couple of what I had a, you know what I say right now, McMahon? Right now we just settled this because I had a match with The Rock a couple of weeks ago and you were the one I wanted to get in the ring. You were the one I supposed to have a match with a couple of weeks ago and you put The Rock in your place, brother. Uh, anyway, and, th- and then it goes on from there. But that was such a um, save by the network to edit out the uh, right gay guy at the wrong place the wrong time. <laughs> oh, man. I I'll still... send you the YouTube link to that uh, uh, promo. Please. I, I, uh, there, there are, there's still a clip you can find on Twitter somewhere, and it's just a minute-long compilation of wrestlers saying things that just are either uh, innuendos or sound like innuendos, and it's just, it's just, it's just stuff like that. Uh, and I just encourage you to find it because it's just it's always funny. It's immature, but it's hilarious. It's always very funny to see these guys say these things. And I'm like, I want you so bad in this ring. 
Uh, and that's like the, the milestone. <laughs> it's all of it is just, it sounds so graphic. Anyway. So yes, um, after Hogan uh, is saved by the good people of the WWE Network, uh, Vince says, he, he kind of clarifies here. He adds a little, we start going into the history here. He says, uh, I hate mm-hmm. Hogan, not Hulkamania, because Hogan went to work for Ted Turner down south. He tried to destroy WWF. And then Vince mm-hmm. says, the main reason is a steroid trial. You testified against yeah. me for the federal government. And yeah, for the, for the yeah. All the fans, you can tell in the crowd, all the fans are saying, yes, I understand this. I know this history, and this makes sense to me. <laughs> and Hogan says, you know what, Vince, because you see of, the nodding. There's a lot of they're nodding. nodding. <laughs> Just <Yeah>. like. <laughs> uh, Hogan I'd says, you know, that. because of me, you're not in prison. And then, of course, like, he, he goes out of his way to make this this horrible joke about how, you know, hey, you know, I was screwed recently, but if you wouldn't believe what screwed would be if you were in prison, it's like, all right, great. Yeah, and that's an that's an edit as well, and I'm not sure whether oh, that's not an surprised. edit out, but they – they edit over screwed, I think. So, yeah. I don't know if Hogan dropped the almighty Limp Biscuit F, uh, but uh, he said something there. <laughs> Could you imagine if there's footage of Hulk Hogan being like, you'll get your person up, brother? Like, oh my gosh. Uh, people will be like, we have to that... cancel Hulk Hogan? We, I thought we would never have to cancel Hulk Hogan. We thought he'd never do anything That's... questionable on camera. That'll be the worst thing he ever does on That's camera. That's the worst thing That's he'll ever say sure. on yeah. camera. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. The worst word he'll ever utter. <laughs> It's such a, oh, oh my gosh okay i heard someone just talk about that video and just describe what literally happens in it and uh what he says and it's just yeah anyway uh okay. so vince says you know i don't want to wrestle you hogan but we will have a fight and it'll be no. at wrestlemania and i gotta ask guys what do you think wrestling matches are i know what you're trying to do where it's like tougher but like this is about fighting we're, it's a combat sport we're watching here am i wrong Will it be? Will it be? Um, will it be sanctioned though? Will it be? Um, you know, officially recognized uh, by the, uh, I guess, Washington State Athletic Commission. Uh, you know, with some issues at hand here. Debbie Sack, I, I, I always hate the unsanctioned nonsense. It's like, don't show me if it's not sanctioned. <laughs> we had a match earlier tonight, but it was unsanctioned, so we can't broadcast it. But everyone here at this arena saw it, and they'll replay what they did on the internet later on. Exactly. Uh, Hogan says, uh, then Vince adds, if Hulk Hogan loses the match at WrestleMania, he has to never wrestle again. Hogan quickly yeah. says, hell yes to that, because he's, I don't know, Stoke Cold Steve Austin, apparently. Uh, he says, hell yes, though, which is funny. Hell yes. Yeah, it's a little bit more, well, it's a little <laughs> bit more Venice yeah. Beach, 1980 kind of thing there. <laughs> so Absolutely. Hogan cues up his what you're going to do, but Vince cuts him off. And then Ooh. Vince starts saying, and he gets most of it out here. He says, what you're going to do when Vince kills you? <laughs> now the last couple words are stepped it, on by Hogan, but he says when Vince kills you, and it's like, oh my gosh! I think he means Hulkamania. I hope, but uh, I don't know, man. They they go the the match they have at WrestleMania is pretty extreme. It, 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 it's it's over the top. It's over the top for sure. It's definitely an example of Vince doing way too much bumping <laughs> for a guy a of his age and skill. Way too much because uh, he's just uh, kind of a crazy guy. Yes. Uh, and Hogan finishes by saying that uh, Vince should start to eat his vitamins and say his damn prayers. Yeah, so you start training, say your vitamins. Your... Yeah, he says there's no time for catchphrases, and then he says his catchphrase, <laughs> his other catchphrase. Uh, Cole, Michael Cole calls this an emotional exchange. Oh, my gosh. I we I think Michael Cole needs to have the word emotional removed from his, his vocabulary. It's just a problem. <laughs> he, You know, I always go back to emotional Undertaker fate, being described as an an emotional freight train, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just, I just such a, I mean, emotional freight train. Honestly, sounds like a book I would read my daughter. 
about like how to deal with like, <laughs> like you know the first car is anger and the second one is rage and the third one is sadness and you know as it, you know that's the kind of thing that's an emotional freight train not undertaker who's recently been accused who is who is accused credibly accused of cheating on his wife and then had like was did the worst job of all time of proving that he didn't by acting incredibly <laughs> guilty the entire time uh yeah hogan rips his shirt off here and vince stands on the ramp and he just looks insane the look on his face <laughs> that he holds for it feels like 30 seconds he's just got the the craziest look on his face it's the best i love it i love it and then we go from this to a very weird clip yeah. i've never seen anything like this never before never since and so it's from earlier tonight Mm-hmm. And Nathan Jones is training in the middle of the ring, and we're in the arena. The lights are half on. Half the crowd is there. So this is like... Yeah, people I, are finding their seats. I presume this Doors is are before open. the dark matches. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I have to assume it's before the dark matches, because most people will be seated by the time dark matches start, start at least. And yeah. um, so Nathan Jones is in there, and Undertaker is there too. And it's also kind of it's kind mm-hmm. of a weird camera if I'm not mistaken. It's kind of a bit more like crany kind of thing. It's on the like, jib, I think. Yeah, yeah jib. Thank yeah, you. It's, it's the John Cena entrance cam. I could always tell when John Cena was coming out at a at a show because they'd bring the jib behind the commentator table and it starts like right next to the crowd and comes up and goes. You know the John Cena shot I'm talking about. Yes, if I you've do. watched wrestling in the last ten years, you've seen the John Cena shot seventy five thousand times. That's hilarious. Uh, so there you go. That more more proof. I'm reminded of at Royal Rumble when they brought out tables with Booker T's pyro on it. I'm just like, well, you know who's coming yes. out? Put these pyros <laughs> on a table here, and so we just have this weird kind of thing. So Undertaker's encouraging Nathan Jones. So he's he's doing arm drags on jobbers, and yeah, uh, Taker's encouraging him, and, and Nathan thanks him for training him after being in prison. And like as soon as Nathan starts yeah, talking, he, I'm like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Like I'm, I'm just afraid of him being awkward. He's just awkward. It's not great. Yeah, he's, he's not good. He's really grown as an actor. In fairness to him, and he has. He just needs time and training, and that's all. Yeah. And that's what he had over the last, uh, you know, however many years. But he's like, "Thanks for training me, for promising to train me when I got out of prison." How would the Undertaker have corresponded with him? Like, does he? Does he? Was that? Was that like his? His like prison? Was that his prison pen pal? Was the Undertaker? Was it like you know, um, a dead man or something? Is you know? I do love the idea of Nathan Jones in the mid nineties. He's watching. Like- it's like 1995, and he's seeing Undertaker fighting with Kama, and he's like, I'm going to write that guy a letter. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully he'll be a bit more less of a zombie by the time I get out. And so, <laughs> so Undertaker, he he compares the ring to a prison cell in one of the more right. labored metaphors I've heard. And what he says yeah. is, you got to put your time in, you got to make sacrifices. It's like, I don't know if you make a lot of sacrifices in prison. I think you're kind of sacrificing the whole time. I think that the whole thing is just you're you're losing. The, the whole thing is you literally you're making the best of your time and, and, and you're and you're sacrificing your entire life. I also notice here Nathan Jones is taller than the Undertaker. He's, yeah, he's I believe a, that. And he's an enormous person, Matthew. And he's very strong. Yes. Looks of it. He's very ripped oh, yeah. anyway. I get why they wanted to make him into something. I get it. Just Absolutely. You can we world. can totally understand it. And I'm sure yeah. they want I'm like I'm sure they thought they'd see money with Nathan Jones turning against the Undertaker and fighting him. I'm sure they saw money with Nathan Jones versus Brock Lesnar at some point, Nathan Jones versus Big Show. Like I'm sure they had all sorts of things. well what happens. Um, yeah. I'm sure they had all these things in mind. Uh that sadly for Nathan Jones because he's still in the middle of training how to do an arm drag and how to do a uh uh a lock up into a headlock, a shoulder tackle. You know, yep. he's still in the middle of learning that. And yes, his talking is not great. Like his it, talking in front of people, especially. Yeah, and so that's exactly it. So, so Taker 
says, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do a lockup. We're do a headlock. And so he does that and the headlock gets pushed off and then he does a, a shoulder block and knocks the jobber down. And, uh, Nathan Jones tries to do the same thing, but he can't knock the guy over. Yeah. This guy, by the way, this guy is not a big guy. Even the undertaker no. calls every one of these guys, big man. Come on, big man. Let's go. Every single one of them. Yeah. Even. Get a big man. <laughs> and so he, he like can't knock the guy over guys. He hits the guy again. It doesn't work. And so Taker starts yelling at him. He says, you got to knock him down. And so Nathan kicks the guy down. He starts choking him. <laughs> kicks him in the head. Because he's, yeah. he's like some simpleton. He's just kind of like, oh, you said dig him down. Kind of like, like this weird kind of, uh, I don't know, this weird angle on him. And so uh, Taker needs to jump in. He pulls him off of him. And so, you know, this is this just this moment of seeing what Nathan Jones is all about. How he needs to grow as a person who can't just choke his way out of his problems. Yeah, but then that Taker says nice intensity. He likes it. I thought for yeah, sure he would be intensity. like bad dog. Like, don't do that kind of thing. He just, <laughs> he just, he just choke a, a man, probably like a local Connecticut guy. But, but yeah, who cares? <laughs> who cares about the guy? <laughs> I so, think that's the point. So we go to some live action. I say live in quotes. So it's SmackDown. It was taped. And so we have Undertaker with Nathan Jones against A-Train, who is accompanied mm-hmm. by Big Show. And so – yeah. This is kind of a weird use of Undertaker, right? He's he's acting as Nathan Jones' mentor, kind of a strange yeah. role. It's it's not not the most uh not not the most like, understandable kind of thing to do here. So it was strange. They just they just walk out together. Yeah. And I thought that was a total missed opportunity to not put a sidecar <laughs> on the motorcycle. Have Undertaker on the motorcycle and have like six foot ten Nathan Jones with his knees up to his nose, stuck in a little sidecar. Helmet on, please. Goggles, okay. Goggles. He <laughs> might get a bug in the eye on the way to the ring. It's dangerous. And yeah. then ride around the ring with Nathan Jones in his sidecar. It would look awesome. Okay. But w- you got to admit, that would get them over. <laughs> Wouldn't it be, be funnier, over. though, if without the sidecar, it's just Nathan Jones holding on to their taker the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> like holding his like hand like he's like Miss Elizabeth or something? Like, oh, it's just like a hand around his, around his stomach, you know, kind of the way you ride a motorcycle oh, with somebody. Behind him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're going to pay. You're going to pay. This comes back. <laughs> Nathan Jones just kind of leans over and he's like, can we stop at 7-Eleven after this? And it's something like that. Anyway. I want to slap him, Mike. Uh, I like to, for entrance, uh, uh, this is the first time I ever see A-Train uh, wearing something. Yeah, over weird his, entrance to uh, these guys. Over his torso, he's just wearing a beach towel with a hole cut in it. <laughs> he's wearing it. I described it as a towel poncho. Uh, yeah, Taz is like, it was a big beach towel. And then Big Show is behind him, and he's wearing a singlet, but he's also wearing track pants and white running shoes. It's a strange, <laughs> he's like, it's strange looks like on this team. Team Angle. He's wearing like Team Angle pants, but they're like yeah. Big Show size. You probably saw the, those awesome track suits and was like, I want one of those. Man, how great would it be if backstage at one point we see Big Show talking to Paul Heyman? He's like, so what do you think of Team Big Show? And Paul's like, yeah, I mean, we can talk about that, uh, Paul. Like, we know that's, you know, we can talk about about that. We could be Team Mangle. Team Mangle guy. (laughs) Team Mangle. (laughs) No. I wonder if somebody misheard Team Angle is Team Mangle. Team uh, Angle. That's, what, grandmother that's, walks the, that's the, the fear of every uh, Brit who comes to a different country. Like, I don't want to have the Team Angle here. Well, I think Team... Mike the T-Rot, I don't want you mangling it again, <laughs> please. It was mangled last time. Um, no, I think uh, I think actually Team Mangle is in AEW. It's one of their 97 factions. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh. I think, and I think everybody's in it. It's like Riddick Moss and Tino Sabatelli. Yeah. Um, 
So t- two guys who are <laughs> recently employed. I think one is still on Raw, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, okay, so here's the interesting. So we have this time where Undertaker is teaching Nathan Jones some things, and then in the match, he makes this weird mistake, this very Undertaker-like move where he picks up A-Train. He's got him in almost kind of a power slam sort of move, but he doesn't have a great grip on him, and then he hits him into the turnbuckle, kind of Oklahoma roll style, or Oklahoma yeah. uh, stampede, sorry. Uh, and then he kind of drops him on his shoulders and neck. It was a dangerous move. How weird was that? That was weird. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, Undertaker. Uh, maybe Nathan Jones should be looking at somebody like go to go to hang out with Billy Kidman or something. They learn his way. The, the biggest, most awkward shooting star press ever, maybe. Oh no! I realized what he should have done. He should have went to Matt Hardy. He could have been the second Matitude follower. That would be great. Matt like slaps him in the face if he doesn't say his lines right or if he falls when he's trying to kick a guy. <laughs> what the or hell's that? He just like uh, Shannon Moore messes up and then Nathan Jones just like throws him somewhere. <laughs> Pounds <laughs> him or something. Get rid of him. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. That could have you know what man, missed opportunity. I end up telling you. So despite the Jones with Los Guerreros. Well <laughs> I mean, I'm just putting it with everybody right now. It puts the it puts the steel in lie, cheat, and steal. Yes. He's lie, he's cheat, and I'm steel. <laughs> Do you mean steal like the like the substance is really hard and tough or steal like the thing you went to prison for? That'd be kinda awkward. Oh that's actually why he's yeah, that's why he's steel. I don't like talking about that. Uh, so H- I'm not Shaq from a movie in the 90s. Yeah, exactly. Um, so A-Train seems fine. Um, after, uh, you know, Undertaker takes a break outside the ring to jaw with Big Show. So A-Train gets a power slam. He might have, A-Train, um, sorry, Undertaker might have even gone outside to give A-Train a moment, possibly. I always, I'm looking for that stuff now. Whenever I see like a like a big botch or somebody gets really quite injured, I'm always looking to see like, okay, what are the other guys doing to make it seem uh, natural, but it's actually obviously a different thing than you should do. There was a moment, um, yeah, there's a moment in this match where somebody takes a moment, and I don't think they should. I'm pretty sure it's in this match. Um, okay, remind me if I miss around, it. Around the, around, the, around the finish, but yeah, Matt, that's a good that's good observation to give him like some time, some time, like maybe like 20 seconds. i got to mention this now. There was something yeah. in the Royal Rumble. I'm sorry, we're going way back, but there's something in the Royal Rumble sure. near the end where um, A-Train's going to powerbomb somebody, and uh, you can hear from a corner like, Slow down, Hoss. Take your time. And he and A Train does slow down. So Undertaker's literally like calling the match from like resting in the corner, uh, in the middle what? of the Rumble. What? Really? I'll have to, yeah, I'll have I'll have to send it to you. But uh, it's Please. something I forgot to mention on the podcast. It's been eating at me ever since. Anyway, yes, right here tonight, Undertaker gives A Train a moment to collect himself as he jaws with Big Show on the outside. And I do like the uh, through line of this match where Big Show gets all the perfect times. Like gets all the perfect interferences, and Nathan Jones just like on the other side, like, <laughs> like why would he just be like on Big Show? Like why would he just be like right next to me? Like I got my eye on you. Well, hundred percent. Because <laughs> first off, sorry, real quick, I have to say, Undertaker calling spots from across the ring it brings Ring General to a whole new level. Like that is yeah, like, of course, yes, yeah, it's yeah. a Ring Admiral or something like that. It's like Ring Five Star General. You're like at the Pentagon calling in spots. Ring Rear Admiral, yeah, admirable. exactly. Mm-hmm. Not admirable, it's- admiral. <laughs> admirable, we're admirable. Admirable Akbar. Um, yeah. So yes, okay. So yeah, Big Show distracts Undertaker on the outside, and so A Train clotheslines him out of the ring dramatically. Undertaker, when he gets clotheslined, he's like, ah, you know, he's huge, and uh, he lands on his like on the tops of his feet. Yes, you see it's he awkward it was landing. Really weird. He it lands on the top of his feet, and he just kind of like stalls there for a second, yes. and then slowly collapses. I was like, what the hell was that? 
That's really almost weird. as if his ankles got hurt. Like, almost, like it, this almost seems like an injury we're waiting to see the result of, but it doesn't end up uh, happening yeah. the same way. He seems fine. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is where I, I put my notes in that Nathan Jones comes in right at the end there after Big Show has tossed him into a, uh, into a ring post. It's like, you know, Nathan Jones is like such a dummy just standing around letting this all happen. Oh, yeah. And uh, back in the ring, like, once again, uh, Michael Cole says, you know, hey, it's time for maybe just have a fight tonight instead of wrestling. And I'm like, what is with all the fight versus wrestling match thing going on here tonight? Why is that in the air? Can't make sense yeah. of So Taker gets a rope walk. Uh, then Big Show pops up to distract Taker again, and A-Train gets the derailer and Baldo bomb. And then A-Train very awkwardly covers Undertaker so it could lead right into a, a triangle choke. And then Hebner, but he's got him, so it takes him a second to get the cover. Yeah. But then he's got, like, he's on him, his shoulders are down, yeah. and he has to yell, count, to Brian Hebner, Does he who starts counting. Count? Oh, hilarious. He yells, count, uh, which would make sense in character anyway, if you were, like, count it, ref. But he's got to yell, count, and the ref's like, and Hebner's like, ah, and starts counting, and then, yes, Undertaker then gets him in the triangle choke. Yeah. So Big Show pops up to distract the ref. Uh, who right, and then Hebner like kind of asks him to leave, but then on the other side of the ring, Matt Nathan Jones pops up, and Brian Hebner's not having any of that. He gets right in there. He's yes. like, "You get the hell out of here right now." Maybe he has like some sort of like thing against criminals. Like, like he's just like, no, he's like, he's like, no, 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 I'm not gonna allow that to happen. Big Show is a good guy, but I'm gonna get it right in there. Hey, Jones did his time. Come on, the system works. Well, I think Brian Hebner doesn't agree. Maybe he just feels he still has a very, very kind of like harsh kind of feeling on who knows and so so big show yeah while nathan jones is distracting the referee kind of not intentionally big show comes in i think he elbows up a triangle choke here so they could freeze that up yeah he gets him out of it so nathan jones gets mad and he tosses brian hebner over he just like flips him over essentially Mm -hmm. and that leads to a dq and yeah hebner takes a really awkward bump on like his shoulder on his side it it was a really awkward like uh nathan's almost like doesn't know his own strength and brian really doesn't know how to bump out of that he should have arm dragged him it's what he's or or try to shoulder tackle him at least. You could probably get a small guy like Brian Hebner down. I love the idea of Nathan Jones head. being mad and he arm drags a guy instead. <laughs> You're like, why I order? Yeah, Boop, boom. And so yeah, so now it's just Big Show, A Train, Nathan Jones, and Taker. They all brawl until Jones and Taker hit a double clothesline on Big Show. And there's the segment there. So we have a clean DD, a DQ there. Uh, we're leading to something at WrestleMania. Who knows what? And oh boy, uh, a big one. The refereeing on SmackDown continues to be bad. Um, and mm-hmm. it's only going to get worse, really, from here, interestingly. <clears throat> and so next up, we have uh, we see Rhino. He had his uh, debut last week. He gored and pinned Matt Hardy. And so now we have Man Beast and the Wolverine against Tag Team Champs coming up next. Yeah. And we see another Brock Heyman. Uh, sorry, Brock Heyman. A Brock slash Paul Heyman flashback. This time it's Survivor Series 2002 when Brock F5 Big Show prompting Paul Heyman to turn on Brock, pulling the ref out of the ring and helping Big Show defeat Brock for the title. And mm-hmm. then we, we have a, we have a video here. We see during the break, and Stephanie's there, and she there's A-Train and Big Show are there, and she tells A-Train and Big Show, you have to leave. And they're worried about <laughs> Paul Heyman tonight, though. They say, you know, essentially they go, He's your manager. Yeah, they go, but, but, but Paul Heyman, though. And Steph- yeah. Stephanie says, I'll take care of him. All right. And then the next thing they got to worry about is their bags, because this is March yes. in Connecticut, yes. and A-Train is just wearing his gear, and Big Show ain't wearing much more. And they go, what about our bags? She's like, I'll have your bags sent to you. You guys just got to get out now. Yeah. And I think, like, A-Train's like, but I got my 
probably like rental car keys in it or something. Like, how is he supposed to get a taxi? Like, what's he supposed to do? Yeah. And like, <laughs> he's like, I'm wearing almost nothing, just to be clear. And you're sending me outside. This, look, at this body hair might look warm. It is not. Yeah. Yes, it's oiled up and it's cold. Um, I when when she said that the thing about the bag, I was like, does one of them have drugs that they're worried about? They're like, no, no, I'll go back for my bag. I don't want you going to. <laughs> no, no, I gotta just make sure get that dog away from there. What's hey, the uh, <laughs> hey, big shoe, is this your bag? The one that has a, a, a brick of a sheesh in it? Is that yours? <laughs> it's like expensive. Anyway, uh, so yeah, so they're gone. So if Paul Heyman was counting on A Train and Big Show to be his backup during uh, his cage match later on, he's out of luck. They're gone. So who knows what Paul Heyman's gonna do? He could have used them. He could have used them. Yeah. Next up, we have Team Angle against Chris Benoit and Rhino. And so uh, it's a non-title match. And uh, Team Angle, they get the full You Suck chant, even with Kurt's, without Kurt Angle there. Yeah, Kurt's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of I was thinking, too, I'm watching. I'm like, would Team Angle do – would they benefit from having a slight edit of Kurt's music maybe or something kind of similar but not exactly the same? Uh, I mean, I guess his, mm, their possibly. name is his name, but who knows. Just a thought I had there. They get something like that later. They get something like that later on. That is true. In my mind, as soon as you said that, I was like, I can kind of remember that how that one goes. Oh, yeah. Uh, but first, we have some sponsors. One of my favorite parts of the show because nothing feels more 2003 than the sponsors on these shows. Um, yeah. And so the first, it's it's Xenosaga Episode 2 by Namco for the PS2. Uh, mm-hmm. Let the saga take you. Do you remember this game? Is this something you remember at all, Will? Uh, no. Um, I'm not. It's a random game. No, it's not, it's not one I played. I thought Xenosaga was... Um... It was by SquareSoft, actually. Um, Sounds like it. There's lots of there's lots of Xeno games. I mean, Nintendo has Xeno Blade. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I don't really remember it uh, on uh, on PS2 or, or okay. otherwise. Yeah, not sure how many more episodes of Xeno Saga there are, but there might be some people who are like really into it. Yeah. So Xeno Saga two for the PS2. The next up is Stacker two. Uh, and then finally, PlayStation 2. So it's all sorts of twos here sponsoring the show. It's a That's sequel right. kind of time. It's terrible twos. Yeah. yeah. Chris Benoit comes down to the ring. He has his Toothless Aggression shirt, and I really can't overstate how basic and boring it is. It is a black T-shirt with white text in all caps that says Toothless Aggression on it. I don't know why you would buy it. Yeah, it's as lazy as you can get with merchandise. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Ang- Sorry, Chris Benoit, I have to say here too, he's had so many partners, tag team partners, since we started the podcast. He... He came out oh, yeah. with Eddie. He had Kurt. He's got Rhino now. He's teamed with Edge in recent weeks. I mean, it's just you know, he's you know, he's like the village bicycle here. Oh boy, yeah. So Benoit uh, and speaking of his yes. speaking of his partners, they announced at the top here, Matt, that um, Edge is out for a year. Edge up for a year. With the neck injury, even there though he's still on the SmackDown intro. He's still there, and he won't he won't be on SmackDown again, at least for a few years. Because uh, back sure. to Raw. So Benoit and Benjamin start. They tussle over some submission holds to start things off. Uh, in come Charlie Haas and Rhino. And Rhino gets a big belly-to-belly suplex and slam. Benoit comes in, and he gets a nice bridging Northern Light suplex for two. I think I like it because Charlie Haas gets out of Northern Light suplex the way that I would, which is he just kind of like punches him in the stomach when he's got bridged. He's like, eh, and Benoit kind of collapses. Oh. Smart. Uh, I missed something here. When Rhino yeah. tags in uh, – uh, Rhino tags uh, – I'm gonna do, 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 do. Uh, when Charlie Haas uh, tags in, yes, as he's getting in the ring, he shouts, "Drop toe hold!" And then really drop toe hold. Gosh, yeah. Oh, I'm so yeah, glad he you yells it as thing. he's getting in the ring. Like the camera is underneath him, saying it. Like you yeah. can see his mouth say the words "drop toe hold." And as he gets dropped hold, I, I almost missed that. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so Benoit gets a crossface on Benjamin uh, when Benjamin's in there. 
And uh, he tagged, but the thing is that Sheldon Benjamin had tagged out to Haas right before he got into it, uh, into that Haas phase. So Haas interrupts that, which was a very, very smart kind of move there. Benoit has his chance, but unfortunately, he's not the legal man. So Rhino tags in, he runs wild on Team Angle. And uh, I really like this whole, like, it's kind of like you have the scalpel and the battering ram kind of approach here. Benoit's more strategic, and Rhino's just kind of more of like an aggressive guy. I think it's a dynamic yeah. here that could have actually worked. They stuck with it for a little bit. Could have good. Uh, and then we have something that stuck out to me in a big way is they took a commercial break, and I cannot remember the last time SmackDown had a match that featured a commercial in the middle of it because in recent weeks it's all been pretty short matches, like five-minute matches here. So we have a nice long one here. we got a commercial break in the middle of it. Yeah. Seems like a good sign here. And so uh, Team Angle do their leapfrog attack, but uh, Shelton Benjamin makes it even cooler because he leaps all the way out of the ring, which is fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and then Haas has a submission on Rhino where he's got Rhino's head against the back of his leg, and he's got his arm and I don't know what it's called, but it's definitely in No Mercy. Uh, it was a solid submission where you kind of you grab the guy and you walk around and you stand up and you make him kind of choke on his own head uh, by kind of pushing his your his head into his neck, doing that. Anyway, solid No Mercy move. So the, is that the cravat? Is that what that is? Maybe that might be something else, but that's I, I couldn't think of another name for it. I have to I'd have to fire up my copy of No Mercy, which I'm willing to do. I'm very willing to do that if I need I, to. I, I found it somewhat cravati, but I, I, I you know it is it is kind of hard to describe. You're right. Yeah, I think it's more of a bolo tie. Anyway, oh, so uh, I see here that Mike Kyoto is our referee, but it, it appears that he's spending too much time with Brian Hebner because now he's got frosted tips in a sweatband, <laughs> and that's that's not great. The old sweatband, yeah, yeah. Who couldn't uh, use a sweatband these days? Well, they're just saying, let's do it. I mean, yeah, this is this is the time for sweatbands, everybody, right now at least. Hundred uh, percent. Plus, if you take it off, you could double as a mask. So that could be a real win. I don't know if that's like the best mask to wear, like a sweaty band <laughs> around your mouth. I'm assuming that a might not be the best. Well, you're out for a run, and you put your sweat, yeah. your sweat, sweatbands on your 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 forearm there, or whatever you have it, and then uh, you go, oh, I want to stop in, I want to get a you know a, a 48 ounce Polar Pop on my run, and you say, you know what, maybe I'll I'll put the sweatband over my face here and go inside the Circle K, and then I'll get what I need. Of course, yeah. Folks, don't do that. Don't get the 48 ounces of Polar Pop. <laughs> Team Angle, too much pop. Team Angle has Rhino in peril here. And they're double cheating, double teaming and cheating wherever they can. And Rhino gets a big spine buster on Shelton Benjamin. He tags in Benoit. And Benoit, he snaps, suplexes Benjamin. He German suplexes uh, Charlie Haas a bunch. He hits a, a headbutt on Charlie Haas. And he leads to a pin. It just gets broken up. And then Crossface is countered into... I don't know what it is. It's almost like a last from El Paso, but it's Charlie Haas' very specific kind of elevated figure for submission where he's got his legs pinned and he's pushing it with his other leg. And calls then, it the Haas of Pain. Okay, that's actually, is that actually what it's called? Because that actually makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, Haas of Pain. There we go. I'm going to try to remember that the next time it comes up. Haas of Pain. This is me memorizing it now. I'm internalizing it. And so Rhino breaks that up, though. And then Benjamin uh, tangles with Rhino, but he turns around and he gets gored in a very satisfying way. And then Charlie Haas gets locked into a crossface, and he taps out. And Rhino and Chris Benoit win a, a, a clean match here. They get a clean victory in this non-title match. And, uh, I, I'm, Will, I just got to ask you, like, has Team Angle looked impressive at all recently? Because they won the tag titles, but they lost in individual matches to Brock Lesnar in the gauntlet before on No Way Out. They lost at No Way Out. Brock beat them both last week, and they lose here. These are weak champs. Yeah, they're they're getting they're they're treading dangerously close to FBI territory. At least yeah. there wasn't a moment in this tag match. Uh, speaking of FBI, I forgot to mention that earlier in the night during the FBI match, Palumbo and Stamboli just do like the switch 
like they do a no tag switch in their own oh, yeah. corner and the ref doesn't call them on it. But I'm like, are they trying to do a twin magic there? Because uh, that, that shouldn't work. Uh, but yeah, Matt, I think they look like they look like chumps and they're only good for being Kurt Angle's thugs and, and attacking, um, you know, people after matches and, and outside of the ring, etc. But they don't look like the good tag champs. I think you can put the, the tag straps on anybody else. Yeah, I mean, I like them. I mean, they, they have a ton of talent, really good in the ring, great look, good gimmick. They have the belts. It should all work, uh, and yet they just keep losing, and so it's like, uh, it's just it's bothersome. Bad booking. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then this is where I get to the point of the podcast where I go, I wonder if Will wrote all this down. Because next up here, we have the John Cena promo. Yeah. And he's got a cane. He's back on his feet. Yeah. It will if, if you have this, yeah, Will, I'm gonna turn. I want to turn it over to you. Yeah. So, yeah. So John Cena's got a cane. He's like walking under a bridge somewhere. Yeah. Brock, I'm walking again. I'm back on my feet, and I'm holding down the streets like a new pair of cleats, sacrificing sleep so that in a few weeks I look at you in your eyes and unleash the beast. About to prove to you the unusual things I can do to you, like take my fist and drive it right through you. I take you down, Brock, at any and all costs. I'm super hard. I'm here, Microsoft. I'm a heavy hitter. When I step up, I don't back off. I'm a king around here. You're just another jack-off. You've seen me before, Brock, but never intense. I'll fill you I'll, I'll fill you full of holes, like a chain-link fence. Word life. So he's wearing yeah. <laughs> a yellow bandana with a king playing card in it. So he, when he says, I'm the king around here, he points to that. And then behind the bandana, he pulls out the jack. And he says, you're just another jack-off. And then by the time he gets to holes like chain-link fence, guess what he's in front of? A chain-link fence. Which, fill you full of holes like a chain-link fence? That's not how chain-link fences are made. Like, it's not no. like a big f- flat sheet of metal that you poke, like, diamonds in. It's 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 latticed uh, uh, yeah. metal. It's chains, things. really. It's chains linked together. It's to make chain- it- uh, well, it's almost like a link of chains, Matt. Yeah. Well, he should be like, I can face, you know, I, I could put a hole in you with these, make you look just like Swiss cheese, something like that. That would make more sense. Bring <laughs> to your knees. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, he's yeah. walking. Yeah, he's got the cane. He's got like a yellow and and blue like tracksuit combo thing happening. I hope he's got all these outfits somewhere and just oh, he does. He, he should be wearing it to, to pre- premieres of major pictures that he's in. Uh, I think he should. Yeah. Yeah, some rhymes in the red that carpet. bowl movie he was in, whatever, um, and that'd be good. Uh, but yeah, like I can't really get across just how clear it is. Like he has a playing card in his bandana and looks very stupid until he makes the uh, the very clever wordplay here. Uh, yeah. Now this yes. is like this is a big deal though. Yes, it that is that they have this injured guy on TV still every week, like reminding you that he's going to face Brock Lesnar at some point, which in a way should also like not put the result of the WrestleMania or next week's match in doubt. Like, it's pretty obvious that Brock's going to win if this guy keeps trying to call out Brock Lesnar, don't you think? I mean, Brock could lose, and he could still want to beat the heck out of him. I mean, he has all the reason to actually He'd face still him. still want to have a... Now, yeah, I mean, I guess so, but, I, but I, I, mean, I think that that would make more sense if it's a title thing. But it's an interesting thing, too. Like, they're building for something. Brock is not actually actively doing anything, but, like, we're constantly hearing about this so that... Um, you know, when Brock has his kind of post-WrestleMania feud, uh, it's it's a guy who's been built up, and they put the work in for it. Now, I can't actually find anything about whether or not John Cena was actually injured here or not. I don't think he actually was. I think he was just taken off TV. I know, yeah, I know he doesn't do anything until, um, like, April. I know he, like, was supposed to do a rap battle at WrestleMania. Yeah. That kind of fell through. Um oh, 
So he he but he battles uh he, he he fills in the he makes up for time though. He makes his own rap for WrestleMania. Yeah, good. Um but it, like there are healthy guys backstage who aren't getting TV time and this guy's hurt and is just cuz he can do these rap promos. But yeah. obviously the WWE is also like sees something in him big time. Otherwise yeah. it would not allow him the opportunity to do these promos on a weekly basis. I mean, they really do see something in him. Like I mean, I can't help but think that like when they go to the other style for their uh the entrance the intro video for their shows it's kind of a vote of confidence in john cena's whole thing because it's it's hip-hop they're going for it they're saying this is actually a cool thing uh, yeah you're right it's the whole thing so now we get another brock paul Heyman flashback clip again and it's kurt announcing that he's got paul Heyman as an agent followed by brock attacking and damaging kurt's knee later that night which is obviously the last part of that's more of a kurt thing but there you go so that's leading up to kind of what's happening now and then they do something which i was very pleased to see they have a tail of the yeah. tape for Brock and yeah. Paul Heyman. And they've done this before. Where especially, It's mostly for Brock's matches here. Where they show Brock, they show A-Train, or they show Brock, and they show John Cena. And Brock's side is you know the same as usual. They say how tall he is, how much he weighs, where he's from, what's his finishing move. Uh, but for Paul, uh, for Brock, rather, they always say he's the youngest WWE champion. He's king of the ring. Uh, he was the NCAA uh, heavyweight champion in 1999. But then Paul Heyman mm-hmm. also has one of these two. And it's such, it's such a goofy thing to do to have... Uh, them both have a tail of a tape. Like it's, it's very funny because it, it specifies yeah. he's like 5'9". Um, his finishing move is none. And then here are his career highlights. <laughs> I'm going to say his career highlights to you verbatim. Yeah. Agent of three consecutive WWE champions current. Current agent yeah. WWE tag team champions. Former owner ECW. Yeah. So, I mean, the first fact, the agent of three consecutive world WWE champions is uh, one of those things that's like, well, that, I mean... Even in even in the show we're watching, that doesn't even really make sense that he does that. Right. Like, that's such a weird detail. I mean, it's true, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. just kind of a weird quirk of the booking, really, that it happened that way. Yeah. And all of yeah, this is... No, yeah. you're, you're right. It's all over top of Paul Heyman's horrified face. It's just funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'd like to see Brock start a wrestling promotion. I mean, Paul Heyman did that. Brock can't do that, you know? So I'm not impressed. Um, yeah, don't impress you much. That's fine. Uh, and to think that's that right. all, to think that however it happened, Brock and Paul Heyman made up after this. Yeah, wow, I mean, it's crazy. It's a qu- crazy thing. And then we have a very kind of floral, uh, f- maybe floral. I don't know what the right oh, word yeah. for it here. It's this very uh, inspiring. Yeah, it's an ad for WrestleMania, and it talks about how we don't cheer for the meek, we love the adventurous, the dreamers. And this footage of Brock Lesnar, Chris Jericho taping up. Uh, I believe it's Kurt Angle running up the steps at Madison Square Garden, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, you would know that ceiling anywhere, Matt. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think we see that yeah. a lot, that specific clip of Kirk. Because, I mean, it's just a great piece of footage. It's a great piece. It is. Yeah, yeah legitimately. I, all this B-roll that they have of, of, of the guys backstage is is great. And I, yeah. like, it actually is inspiring. It gets me. It is good. I mean, it's one of those movies. You don't think about it too much. It's a real Vince thing. Vince loves these things where it's like the immortal time where we're all together. And they, it's all about the victories they share, the defeat they treasure, oh, yeah. and the wins they cherish. You know, that's all That's all Vince. Like, he loves all that kind of oh, talk yeah. about him. And, it, and, it, and sure, it, yeah. it works largely. I mean, you know, Will just saying he's moved by it. Um, I'm moved. It's good. Physically and emotionally. Kurt Angle is backstage with Paul Heyman. He's trying to psych him up, mostly because he has to win or else. He's still Kurt, in his suit. He's still in his suit. This is where, he's, where we see that he's been taped up with his wrists here. Uh <laughs> And Kurt's mad. I mean, you know, if you don't if you don't beat Brock, I have to defend my title against him next week. And Team Angle comes in. They, you know, they just lost, right? So they're angry at each other. Kurt grabs both of them by the singlet straps. He talks about champions have to learn how to handle adversity. 
And then mm. he gives Paul more grief and slaps him. Yeah. And it's funny because in my mind, I'm like, they're acting like, like to me, like the clear strategy here is just get Team Angle at ringside and then have them cheat and, and help him out. And, uh, well, I just feel like a smart person after uh, thinking that. Oh, well, you're pretty smart, Matt. No one else could have predicted it. No one else. But, but they act they act like <laughs> here. They have to go like, well, of course, Paul Heyman, you'll go out there, and we have to go find Big Show and A-Train and drive them back to the hotel or something. I don't, they, they act like they're like, well, we're not going to be involved in this, this kerfuffle anyway. Right. You're right. So Michael Cole and Taz, they threw to a video for this past weekend's WWE tour in South Africa. And so we start, we see Tori shopping at a market. We see Ray mm-hmm. and Rikishi, they're having fun with fans. Uh, Brock Lesnar yep. angrily high-fiving a kid. Uh, it looks like he's not very excited <laughs> about it. You just see him from behind. Uh, and there's this weird thing. You know, they have some talking head videos. Obviously, you know they had Tori Wilson talking about being at the market. Um, but it's almost like a confidential episode because we even see people like Jamie Noble and Bill DeMont, and they're kind of out of character. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, Benjamin even is out of character. He's like, he loves the scenery. Yeah, uh, Jamie Noble's like, all the houses are sold out. DeMott says he loves the response. Uh, and there's all these heels being like, this is great. These people yeah. are awesome. Bill DeMott. Who- would have been yeah. way better if Bill was like, I hate international travel. These idiots in South Africa. I didn't get respect in the United States. And I don't get respect here either. I'm sure he said it in, like, in the ring. Could um, you imagine if he... That would have been... He's in the video package. I, I like him like, way more when they're when they're in character. He's like, you know what? Apartheid was good. <laughs> Bill, come no. on, come on, Bill, come on, Bill. Anyway, if you're trying to be Hugh Morris, you're missing the mark. Talks about yeah, hate, hating Nelson Mandela. Come on, Bill, come on. Don't be like that. No, come on, don't do it, man. And then so down comes the cage. Just like here on the podcast, yeah. the cage comes down. We get our final flashback to last week with Brock Lesnar. You, Paul Heyman. Instead of Kurt, uh, so he's going to face him in the cage. Uh, Brock with the mic. <laughs> Every time he does it, we're like, he, so he can't go back with Paul Heyman. That's not going to happen. Is that right? They they manage him well, honestly. Like, they do a good job of trying to keep Brock away from uh, un, unhelpful situations. But, uh, yeah, he's on the mic. Yeah. We'll, we'll see if our mind doesn't change later on this year. Yes. And so uh, Michael Cole evokes October's Hell in a Cell match, saying, you know, we know what Brock can do inside a steel cage. Um, interesting choice to make that comparison there. And and then Kurt, Kurt Angle's music hits. And Brock, uh, Taz, rather, he's kind of confused at first, which is kind of funny. I'm like, well, what else would he come down to? And then we see yeah, Paul, yeah. Paul Heyman is flanked by Team Angle. We have both the members of Team Angle with him. Brock, uh, Paul, sorry, Kurt is behind him. Uh, I notice here Kurt has his belt on. The other two guys don't have their belts. I don't know why. Mm, okay. Right well, I guess it kind of becomes obvious in a second. Well, kind of, but also Kurt, what Kurt does here right away. Oh, wait. No, never mind. Never yeah. mind. Yeah, Kurt's the one that climbs. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. It makes no sense. I get, team Angle is just more like, they're like, we're not going to pretend like we're not going to get involved in this. <laughs> <laughs> and so Kurt Angle starts to scale the cage before Paul Heyman gets in. And so Brock's like, what's going on here? And so he, he, he starts towards him there. And the Team Angle goes into the other side. Double now, team, Brock. The other side, Matt. Yes. Well, let me. This hold, cage. Hold I'll get to it because okay, I thought okay, at okay, first. Okay. I thought at first they scaled over the top. I was like, oh, okay, I don't know how they got there. No, I noticed this like right away, like where things are aligned here. Keep going. It's strange, and I don't understand it. Team Angle yeah. gets in. They double team Brock. They're beating on him. They're tossing him around the cage from one side. They throw him the other side. Uh, the ref kind of gives them grief, but he's not really doesn't really have much ability to change anything, I guess. And so Team Angle set up like their the uh, super kick into a German suplex. One of my favorite tag team moves they do. And it's also the perfect double team move to dodge because you get out of the way yeah. and then one guy super kicks the other guy in the face. So it's Gets like, well, kicked. he's screwed at this yeah. point here. And so now yeah. uh, 
Brock could toss those guys around. And then this is where I see that this steel cage is weirdly different. Because the door, usually if you're watching wrestling, especially this time, a cage match on television, there's a door to the cage on the left-hand side of the, uh, sorry, on the the side facing the hard camera, that side, there's a, uh, a door there and it's right by where the stairs are to get into the into the ring so essentially you walk up the stairs and you walk in the cage right there it's a very natural thing to do now for whatever reason the cage door is not on the hard camera side it's on the side facing the ramp and it's in the middle of the cage what is going mm-hmm. what is with this cage door yeah uh, i guess they just arranged the panels differently maybe they wanted to try something different to have the cage door go out into the aisle uh, but I think it makes more sense to have it where it is because as you're the audience walking, watching at home, if someone's going to run through the door, they're going to be coming towards you and you want to see that, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was weird they had the door there. I thought maybe it was just so they could have like a guy climb one side and the two other guys kind of sneak in the door and, and sneak in from behind. But um, I, I, it's like it for this match, and I don't know if any other match has it like that strange part of me was like is this a house show cage is the cage in south africa is the cage in germany with rikishi is he having cage matches with people there i don't know um no they're in connecticut that's probably where their warehouse is maybe they're just like they're get, get one there i don't yeah, know get a new one go to the cage door i mean arguably you never need a door in the cage you just have the cage drop down on people that's right you and, and climb out only yeah that works for me uh and so yeah uh, they have this weird cage and so brock leaves the cage to go get Paul, because he got rid of Team Angle, so she's, he's, he's dispatched them. Then Kurt runs over and hits him. And then Noel, I'm going to try to, we're going to do a little bit of forensics here. I'm going to see if you can help me. I feel like you might have a better idea of this than I do. Because Brock... I examined this too. Thank you. Brock knees Kurt. He tosses him into the cage. And then as soon as Kurt Angle like lands on the ground, he's bleeding immediately. And I'm... I think it was... I'm very confident it's not a blade job, because it does not... I am too. Yeah. Do you, where does he? Did, yeah. is, did he hit him with it, like a punch or a knee? Like it almost looks like he just got like hit the eye, like eyebrow with a punch, and he just got cut open. Yeah, that that could be it. I tried to see if like maybe Kurt like nicked himself at some point, but he, it would have yeah. been way too fast or way too quick to to get a good nick there. And he's hit like in a weird spot. It's like right on the eyebrow. Yes. Uh, and is and he's bleeding in a really weird way. And Kurt's reaction is also very much like, okay, I'm bleeding. I have to make this work. I have to figure this out. It's not the same kind of yeah. like when you when you blade and you're like, Ugh, oh gosh. It's more like, okay, I have to manage this because uh, Kurt so has some blood. business to attend to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's part of yeah, it here. Right. And oh, I'm just gonna just remind people here. Kurt Angle's neck is broken. A couple vertebrae yeah. broken. Just throw that out there. Yeah, you you notice that in the no no uh, no way out match where he got hurt. Mm-hmm. It's it's actually pretty crazy to go back and watch that. And so yeah, people listen. Yeah, to it gets whiplash really badly. And it's he's crazy. still competing. Yeah, it's not even. It's almost he kind of hits his head. Like there's one where it looks like he gets bad whiplash. Another one where his head kind of goes into a turnbuckle, and then he reacts really, yeah. really violently with that too. So that's no good. So yes, Kurt is bleeding on the outside, and so Brock Lesnar grabs Paul Heyman. He throws him into the ring, and the match begins. And he kicks Paul yeah. Heyman a bit, gets him Paul on his Heyman feet, screaming for help. Yes, <laughs> and so he gets him on his feet, and then Kurt Angle is climbing the cage. And so Brock gets Paul up for an F5. But this has happened so many times. Kurt still manages to get into the ring and chop block him to save Paul from the F5. Yeah, he had to do it really quickly, too. He had to, like, drop down into the cage. Like, he stopped being so precise and just kind of, like, yeah. And he, yeah. he gets it. He manages to do it. I'm sure if he wasn't bleeding, it would be a little bit easier and he wouldn't be kind of, like, that's it's a tough spot to get to. What if he slipped a little bit there and then Paul, you'd have to F5 him or something. Who knows? Yeah. Um, 
And so Kurt gets in there. So so Kurt has knocked Paul Heyman off of uh, Brock Lesnar. And so Kurt hits an angle slam on Lesnar, and he drags Paul onto Brock, and he gets only gets two. And then something happened that kind of broke my brain here in this match. Because, you know, okay, so Kurt is in the ring, and he is involved in this, you know, he's involved in the match. And, you know, there's been times where I'm like, okay, and, and later on in the match, the ref doesn't even tell Kurt to leave. And I'm like, well, you know, in some ways I kind of get it. It's not against the rules of the match for the guy to just show up there. But Kurt gets Brock Lesnar in an ankle lock. Mm-hmm. And the referee gets on his knees and hands and starts checking. Oh, and asked him to submit? And oh, I didn't even notice that. Oh, dude. oh, wow. Go back and watch. I wasn't watching like a hawk after Go back all. and watch wow, that Wow, that's moment. funny. Because it's really, really weird. Because he's, he's checking to see if Brock's going to give up. And I'm like, you can't. I'm like, am I have I misunderstood wrestling this whole time? Like, if Brock Lesnar taps out, but it's not Paul Heyman who's making him tap out, like that's not that doesn't work, right? Like, what not. would Paul what would Paul have to do to to necessitate it being his submission? Could he like pull back Brock's thumb or something, or like grab like, the other uh, foot? You know, maybe like, yeah, grab grab the other foot and like give it a, or try to give him like a Native American burn on his arm or something. Like, what would he yeah, try to do to get him to actually tap out? Yeah, there you go. Uh, deft, deft, uh, <laughs> deft rephrasing of that. Will way to go. Thank um, you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, he's got him in the ankle lock. <laughs> Ref's checking on it. Uh, strange thing. <laughs> so Paul is trying to climb out of the door. So Brock grabs him while he's in the ankle lock. Uh, but Brock kicks off, Paul, uh, off Kurt and he gets up and he approaches Paul again. And then Kurt attacks him again from behind. And yeah, the ref is just not telling him to leave. He's just kind of like, whatever, like, you're not doing anything wrong. I'm not going to try to, like, usually refs would yell at him and like, eh, get out of here. But he doesn't. Uh, there's not even another ref there. Usually there's another ref on the outside who's kind of working the cage door. It's not happening there. Things are a bit lawless here. I think Stephanie should maybe get back on yeah. top of this, this uh, show a little bit. That's right. So Yeah, come on. So Paul uh, is climbing to the top of the cage because Brock is busy with Kurt. And so Brock gets away from Kurt. He goes to grab Paul down from the cage. He brings him down. And then Brock gets Paul on his shoulders. And Kurt comes after him, but Brock just kicks him away. And then we have the moment we've been waiting for since Survivor Series 2002 back in November. Brock hits Paul Heyman with the F5. This is also one of Brock's goals for the year. He wanted to F5 Paul Heyman. Yeah. And wanted to go wrestle right. WrestleMania 19. And he has done that. Yeah. And Paul does a great job with it. He takes the F5 perfectly here. He gets it. He gets it. He bounces. He looks destroyed. And Brock covers yep. him for the one, two, three, obviously. And it's going to be Kurt against Brock in Pittsburgh next week for the WWE title because, you know, in real life, there was a neck injury there. And by the time we get there, though, they're going to have to figure something else out because they're not going to do a title change on a SmackDown. And so Kurt stares at Brock. He's got blood all over his eyes and his cheek. He looks terrified. And Brock looks eager to face him next week. And we look at Brock's yeah. excited, sweaty, red face. And we go off the air. <laughs> yeah. So, Will, let's back to the Six Podcast. We'd love to get your final thoughts on the mm-hmm. show. Uh, we'll also get a rating from you. Uh, if it was good, eh. Or, sorry, if it was bad, good, or eh. And so, uh, yeah. bad is Here Comes the Pain, uh, named after the SmackDown video game. Um, Shut Your Mouth would be eh, and good would be Just Bring It. So, those are all named after the SmackDown games of this era. So, Will, what are your final thoughts on the show and what did you think of it? Oh, it's a GIFs bring it for me. It was a fun show. Very entertaining. Um, really no dead spots the entire time. Uh, a lot of really good wrestling. Um, some odd booking, I guess, if we're thinking of our, our favorite tag team champions. Um, mm, the main yeah. event full of Gaga, but like it's entertaining enough. 
and uh, you know the Vince Hulk stuff was was fun too. So the right. I, I you know with that hot opener, I thought it was a, a really good show. Yeah, I thought the excitement kind of dipped in the middle a little bit there. Um, you know, this like Hogan's entrance just drains so much excitement from things; like it just takes so long. Um, right, and there are a few sections there that, as we talked about during the show, they're simply too horny for their own good. But oh, very horny! Yeah, Absolutely. opener was a lot of fun. Tag match was fun. The main event was more of a wrestling angle than a match, and that's okay because it was a good angle and it was kind of it was a blow off essentially for something we wanted to see for a long time. And yeah. that is always going to be kind of a win, right? Because that is that's what that's what wrestling is all about. Let's get let's show people, let's hold back on things so we can hit it at the right time and show people what they want. And so that's what ended up happening there. So I have some caveats, but it's a just bring it for me as well. There you go. Yeah, fun show. So next week's show is the March 13th, 2003 episode of SmackDown. It'll be in Pittsburgh, and it's going to be Kurt Angle against Brock Lesnar. Let's, let's see if anything happens title. there. Yeah. I don't know. We could see a new champion. I, could, could see new I don't champion. know if Kurt knows any family in, um, in Pittsburgh, but I think we could see a new champion. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I... Uh... I, I wish I had more to allude to, but you do, that's good. Yes, that's good. I'll take that. We'll, we'll, we'll I take already that. said too much. Interesting. Yeah. There you go. Somewhat famous moment here, which is uh, recreated uh, from Survivor Series 2000 as well. Very similar thing. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, anyway. So, tune in next week for that. Uh, but until then, folks, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Uh, you know, if you like what's going on here, follow us on our social media. Share the show with other people. We're SmackDown6Pod on Twitter and Instagram there. Um, yeah. Check it out. Uh, you know, tag a WWE referee in there. We've gotten some great WWE referees recently have, have fave tweets about the podcast. I got a kick out of that. They're big fans. Yeah, they're big Very fans good. of the show. Yeah, big fans. They would at least I, I believe they've at least heard part of it, which I will take I will I will accept that. That's a yeah, good thing. Of course. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, we're we're happy to have uh it shared any which way. That's right. And will uh, I I never do this, but do you have any uh, anything you want to plug, any social media, uh, any appearances coming up, anything like that? Oh, um, come to Gibson's BC to watch some improv on October 2nd. Uh, Love at it. The, at the Heritage Hall. I think it's what it's called in Gibson's. Uh, and that's about it, Matt, for now. Uh, but I love if it. anything comes up, uh, I'll, I'll plug it next time. You've got some projects on the on, on some burners there. You've got some irons in the fire, as they say. So Sure. We'll oh, it. enough with burner and fire. Oh, boy. Yeah, I know. Sorry, we're keeping warm enough already. I want to let Will go and, and cool down now. The, the, the cage is rising above him. The match it was a gone. hot show, Matt. Yeah. At some point, I got to cool off. Exactly. Uh, the fans are leaving. The cage is going back up. Oh, Undertaker's back out with uh, Nathan Jones. He's going to do some oh, more arm drags. Oh, he's going to drill some more arm drags. Yes. Okay. Get that shoulder tackle, Nathan. Come on. Yeah. Damn. He right. can only do it when the building's half full, either when they're on their way in or <laughs> on their way out. So they'll do that. Oh, uh, no. Oh, man. Anyway, folks, uh, we hope that you figure out how to do the lockup and headlock of your life, whatever that is, whatever it is for you. I hope that you will have success in that for you. Hope you can shoulder block, shoulder block your uh, opponents in life. And uh, I hope that you will be able to go up for the WWE title in your life. Even if you have the proverbial broken neck, you can face the Brock Lesnar's of your life and succeed. We'll see you next week on the SmackDown 6 Podcast. <laughs>